0: What is up, nerds? Welcome back to another episode of the Dark Friends Social on Behind the Timeline. I am your regular host for the Dark Friends Social, Lindsay, but very excitingly, we have Scott here tonight, too.
1: I am here, and I'm very, like, I. it sounds so stupid because, like, this is our podcast, but, like, I'm honored to, like, finally be here because like, there are things that I finally know.
0: <laughs> yep. We can. <laughs> there's, there's some stuff we're going to uncover tonight. So... For listeners, this is going to be a little bit of a two-part Dark Friend social. So we're going to be talking about Wheel of Time, Episode 8, The Eye of the World, and a little bit of the season as a whole. But the first half of this is going to be kind of minor plot spoilers and lore. We're going to have one kind of big spoilery thing that we're going to talk about, but we're going to warn you. And the second half of this after Scott heads out will be the full on book spoilers all the way through a memory of light to dig in with me about where this thing is going. So stick around if you don't mind a little bit of lore spoilers and some explainers, um, a little bit of minor plot stuff, stick around with us for a little while and we'll let you know when it's time to head out.
1: Word. Let's get to it.
0: All right. So, I want to start out by addressing the book cloaks in the room. Scott, are you familiar with this term?
1: I'm not actually, but I feel like I'm far enough in that I should have known this.
0: This is a fan term now that's going around like on Twitter the last month or so. Um, and the book cloaks are the book purist fans who are throwing a hot raging fan.
1: Oh, so like me with Harry Potter. Got it. Okay, cool, cool. cool yeah, cool, cool,
0: cool, cool. but like, okay. That's a great segue into what I want to say here. because i'm not here to shit on anybody's opinion on the show right everybody like i know that i'm a little bit of a of a show sworn here um so book cloak is like a rip on white cloaks
1: yeah i kind of figured
0: and then they're they're calling us the show sworn which is a rip on the dragon sworn it's a whole thing
1: you guys take this very seriously
0: (laughs) there's a huge in-group fight happening on twitter right now that like means a lot i'm sure (laughs) and um basically i i think like as you said about harry potter i get pissed about that too like i can't wait for us to get into those adaptations and lose our goddamn mind
1: oh dude yeah
0: here's the thing like adapting to screen in an effective way means that you're bringing the concepts and the themes and that what's happening makes sense now not everything that happened in season one of the Wheel of time makes any fucking sense i'm gonna go ahead and say that right now and we're gonna nitpick some of it but not to the level of Harry Potter. I mean, fuck. Like, I have asked people who haven't read the Harry Potter books, who, like, I, I can't understand that, but whatever.
1: <laughs> no judgment.
0: No, none. No, I actually am really like, I'm a, I'm a bad book cloak for Harry Potter, but like, <laughs> but I have, uh, you know, friends who love the movies and they're like massive self proclaimed Potter heads. And I'm like, do you know how Harry defeats Voldemort? And they're like, no, I don't. And that See, is a fucking travesty. Yeah. Right? That's I not think, what's happening here. I don't know.
1: From what I've gathered, like from the, the majority of the book that I've uh, – like a book one that I've read so far, it's, it's just minor things that were omitted because it could have been done in a different way that still explained everything. Yeah. Whereas like <laughs> – and I'm just going to, this is like my one of my most hated things about Harry Potter, but it's a really good example. Um, it, it It's not on the level of Harry snapping the wand in half, or uh, the burrow just randomly getting attacked in Half-Blood Prince.
0: Dude, even those things aren't the things that get me the most. I'm like, they don't explain who the marauders are.
1: Oh, I know. It never even comes up.
0: Yeah. Like, I, <laughs> so, uh, but that's not what's going another on Another book, here. another time. yeah another conversation conversation. it's that's what i'm fired up about but that it's a (laughs) it's a great example of a terrible adaptation right whereas Mm -hmm. the wheel of time like i'm in i'm in favor of most of these changes honestly all the themes are here and and like think about like the stuff that's being brought in like you're you're what almost you're getting there you're almost at shatter logoth in the book right
1: yeah they so where i am in the book they just left Right after Egwene felt the need to invite herself, which (laughs) I I, love that you got there, dude. I seriously like. I hate her right now. I'm sorry. (laughs) I just I have to stay there right now. (laughs) Like I'm really
0: okay with that. She it's as I say all the time. She's a really really controversial like hot button character. I love that. I love that you hate her. I think that's great.
1: Also, the other thing that I'm noticing is Matt in the books is a lot more. Like, he's just mischievous, but he's also, like, full of wonder and, like, holy shit. Like, burn me, Ran. Like, we're actually going to, like, be able to see, like, a trollic or, like, we're going to see the world or whatever. And I'm, like, we, the the one that we got in the show, he was just kind of, like, fuck, I don't want to leave.
0: Well, he has his sisters. He has, like, a whole different yeah. thing going on, and they're a lot older. So his mischief is, mischief is translated more into, like, desperate law-breaking.
1: Responsibility. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Responsibility. I, it's, it's very, that's a big change with Matt. And honestly, I'm here for it because, and I won't go into this on the side of the, of this tape, but Matt is awesome. Matt is fucking awesome. Matt is the like best. The Matt is my favorite. Yeah. I'm like, don't worry. Cause right now you're seeing happy go lucky, innocent Matt before he's even left the two rivers. And then you have to deal with dagger Matt. And then Matt yeah. gets to be like best character ever. So you'll get there. I fucking love everything that Matt does. I, Oh, I can't wait for you to get there to where Matt gets to be the best. Cause he's so much fun. Everything that he does is just hilarious. He's like, he's the best, <laughs> but but I feel like, um, you know, things like, like, we're, okay, so what I was saying, where you are in the book, um, like, you don't, you haven't heard of the Aja's at all, I'm no, sure.
1: No, ha- it hasn't even been mentioned yet. There, It's only the one Aes Sedai and it's Moraine talking, it's them talking about Moraine. That's the other thing. The show did a really good job of pacing, but I feel like it affected certain people's personalities in some way, like moraine in the book is very dumbledore-ish she's Mm -hmm. very calm and very like i will take that into consideration thank you and stuff like that like she smiles a lot at them and she's just like no thank you for your time or whatever And she gives the boys the coins Uh uh-huh um and lan is the one that's like we need to get the fuck out of here like we can't keep dawdling and shit and i'm like and that's pretty like lan the man is like good to go as far as I'm concerned Lan- there's nothing wrong with Lan ever in the history Never. of ever.
0: Nope. He's <laughs> Lance like so well adapted, but yeah, it's like all of these things like the ages that you're left in the dark in until, I mean, straight up like into book two.
1: Yeah. That's kind of what I figured. Like this meant, this seems more to be about the setup. Whereas the show to me felt more like we need, th- we, there are things you need to know now.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, even the way that they talk about like uh, in the first episode and and they're talking about being turned out again by the wheel and we come back so that we can do better. I mean, I said this in episode one. Yes, that is the fucking moral of the wheel of time. And they gave it to us in episode one. And that's going to come back in book fucking like 11, 12 readers help me out. When's when's that? But like this is like shit that they're setting up early and even and and for my readers, we will talk about this on the back end, but the way that the way that they showed Rand's confrontation at the Eye of the World in this and how much that parallels uh, the last book. So we're like it's it's pretty wild the amount of stuff that they're putting in now early to really create like a conceptually and thematically. This is the Wheel of Time. The changes that they're making have largely been in service of that. Some of it's clunky. Like, we never got anything back on Perrin's wife and what their drama was, unless it was his being in love with Egwene, which, if so, what the fuck? Like, some of this wasn't great. I'm not gonna... It's not perfect. But they also had Barney Harris to contend with leaving before episode 7. They had yeah. COVID. They had, I mean, COVID is the reason that they're on a the green screen out, not on the castle walls, like we talked about in the last episode, right? Because they lost access to sets. They lost access to being able to put lots of people in one place and have extras in a big battle. Right. So, and because they got shut down for COVID after episode six. So everything we see in seven and eight is like, you know, dream of what could have been right of what they would have been able to do without all the restrictions. So with all of that, those things in mind and like how much they bring over the themes and the main concepts of the Wheel of Time, I am in favor and I think everybody should just remind themselves, all the book cloaks out there, what it is to make an adaptation, though this is not supposed to be one to one, this is another turning of the wheel and if anything, this is perfect, like this story is, is perfectly designed to be adapt it and have changes and call it another turning of the wheel. It's literally built into the mechanics of the world.
1: So I just, I'm like,
0: come on, come on,
1: son. I just, it, it. Yeah. I feel like it's too early to have those kind of judgment. And again, I'm like, I'm the, the newest person to the fandom. So like, I can't, I don't know how much weight my word carries, but I feel like it is a little bit early to be jumping on that. I can't believe they left this out or like upset at this, that, or the other thing kind of mm-hmm. just yet.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I just, I think like it's, I told you before we started recording a uh, hashtag hashtag, I support Rafe the creator is trending right now (laughs) (laughs) and I do support Rafe the creator, although I'm worried about Bella having been dethroned and I'm also just generally speaking, worried about Bella. And so it's funny because there are changes that I'm like, I'm like, you can't cut Bella out. And then I'm like, Lindsay, why, why can't you cut out Bella? Is there, is there really a reason? And I know guys that Bella does the super cool thing in the end. I know, I know, but does that have to happen? I mean, for fuck's sake, like it, it doesn't have to be Bella. Someone else could have a special horse. It could be Pips. It, how great would it be if it was Pips? I'm no, I'm talking over your head. I'm sorry.
1: No, that's totally fine. I,
0: but anyway, there's little things that I get it where I'm like, I would be really upset if like this was different. And we're going to talk about a number of those things tonight. But also, I think on the whole, we can all calm down. Like, honestly, there's almost nothing in this story that they couldn't change and still make it like get the point across right Get the get the crux of it over yeah <laughs> but anyway sorry i'm used to rambling on this on my own
1: <laughs> yeah, no you're totally fine
0: and like going on like regular long tangents about bella that i can't wait for you to come back to in like years when you finished all the books and you can listen to me out about bella yeah, every week
1: and i'm just like god damn it dude like
0: this is just a never-ending thing <laughs> Sorry, the rest of the fandoms doing the same thing. We're all concerned.
1: <laughs> yeah, I would imagine so.
0: Um, so let's talk about uh some of the changes and book spoilery stuff and the opening scenes mm. so Eye of the World has been adapted into being Shale Ghoul, which is where the Dark One's imprisoned in the books. Um, that's fine with me. We talked about that a little in the main episode.
1: I'm Yeah. I'm fine. I I feel like it would just be one more thing that we have to remember, you know, like later on, like, okay, we've been to this dark temple in the middle of the blight. We've been to Shadar Logoth. It just, there doesn't need to be a multitude of, at least from the show perspective, like there doesn't need to be a multitude of terrifying places. Like that, that worked for me for it being like just all
0: right there yeah and like the eye is like not necessarily the eye is actually like a good place in the book i won't spoil it for you because you're gonna read it
1: you mean the end of the book where i'll be as confused as everybody else
0: yeah (laughs) no one knows what the fuck happened the eye of the world is like a good thing it's like a spot out in the blight that the blights unable to take over and there's like a dude that's there
1: tom bombadil
0: actually kind of Holy
1: fuck.
0: <laughs> and you're you'll hate him and i damn it i hate
1: tom bombadil but like,
0: <laughs> yeah this guy is a lot it's it's actually not not tom bombadil <laughs> I'm gonna lie. A
1: bitch. that's how powerful he is we don't even know what fucking universe he's in he could be in wheel of time lord of the rings who knows
0: he could be anywhere didn't we get fan feedback from chris one time about uh
1: mary poppins oh mary poppins yeah that he they're the same thing or something like that
0: I think she actually said that uh, that Bert is it Bert.
1: Bert is is uh yeah.
0: You know I can't figure out that guy's name to save my fucking life. Yeah, you so I was like, like
1: Barney and Curtis. No, and shit? it was
0: call them like Jeff. Jack. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, I'm I'm basically they do run into Tom Bombadil in the book, and also a slew of other things, and I don't. I don't mind. I honestly, conceptually all the changes at the eye of the world were great. I, I've said it many times. If they were going to change anything, please fucking God, let it be this. Um, let it be a little bit of pad and Fane. Let it be, yeah. let it be fucking Valen Luca and let it be uh, the Baldwins and also files kidnapping. None of that means anything to you. So I'm just throwing it out there for book readers who are listening. But those are the things that I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's get rid of like a lot of that. (laughs) That's all fine. I know most of you guys agree with me, but the eye of the world high on the list of things that we can mix. And the only thing that wasn't quite there in the very beginning of the episode, um, just getting like the most obvious thing out of the way, which is that they changed everything about how the eye of the world happens. But in the cold open. Yeah. Um, this was weird. This sat strangely with me as a change because at this point, when they decide to seal the bore in the books, the world is in full turmoil. Like they're at war with Trollocs, with like, they are desperately trying to find a solution. It's not just like, what if we could create a world without any bad? It's like, remember the world without any bad that we had like two years ago before we fucked up? can we undo this? And it's like a desperate situation. And that did not come across at all. Right.
1: No, it honestly, it felt more to me. Like he was just trying to be like, we can change this. But then it does the long pan over the city. And I'm like, there's no, like if the world had been being like destroyed or there was like, battle going on outside the city or something, I would have gotten a sense more of like urgency, but this was him just like, we're inside this very well protected, super spacey Atlantis level city. Um, but we should like, I can't believe you won't help me. Oh, okay, cool. You're not gonna help me. All right, bye. There didn't it, right. it the same thing that I felt about Machin Shin and the blight is how I felt about this cold open, to be totally honest with you. I didn't feel the Pressing danger.
0: I agree. I and because they didn't, they didn't convey it at all. What they did was make Louis Theron look like a fucking douchebag.
1: Makes him look like a douchebag, but it also makes him look like a dad, right? And then I was just like, okay, but why does the why did she leave? Or like why? Like I don't know. I just it was it was just a weird. Because I know from the prologue, and I assume that's portions of the prologue, like that conversation doesn't happen in the prologue. The the conversation in the prologue is between him and Ishmael.
0: Right. This does not happen in the books, but it's referred to a lot.
1: Oh, okay. Where they
0: had I mean, because they had the leaders like all the women in the Aes Sedai basically said, fuck you, no. And Luz Theron is the Tomerlin, not her. Right. So they gave his title away too, which was a little weird. And He's like, yo, this is how we're going to fix it. We have a plan. We're going to seal the dark one back. We're going to put a patch on the original seal because the dark one is sealed away at the time of creation by the creator in a seal that was effective. And then the Aes Sedai were like, I found a funny thing. Let's poke at it, right? And opened the seal by accident. And they're like, we're going to put a band aid on top of that. We're going to like put another seal on top of the broken seal. And the women are like, that's fucking ridiculous. We don't want to do that. That sounds like a bad plan. Let's not do it. And the men are like, no. And because there's so much urgency, there's no time for them to like sit down and like talk it out. Like the show kind of tells you that there might be. Right?
1: Right. Yeah.
0: I mean, honestly, they lost any urgency. It's like, why is he doing this? Just like you said, everything looks like it's going great.
1: It Yeah, it just kind of felt more to me like he was having a conversation about, like, I'm going to do this. You should help me. You're not going to help me. Okay, well, I'm still going to do this. Have a good day. I'll be back for dinner.
0: It makes him look like a total asshole. and Kind of does. Kind of backing that up, too, is that, like, they call him the Dragon Reborn here, which is weird. Because lose it was just the dragon. He
1: was just the dragon. Yeah, I caught that, and I didn't want to say anything in the main episode because I didn't know if that was, like, an important thing. But I was like, wait a minute, hold on.
0: Yeah, and it's it's very timey wimy, and I guess they're trying to say that like there's always a dragon in every turning, and that like he always causes some kind of problem, like he's always the crux of something. But I think that takes away from like Rand. So uh, yeah, I think I don't that like kind of
1: super undoes a lot of the mysticism here.
0: I mean, if the idea is that like like this is supposed to be it, right? Like that this is the do or die for the multiverse, like this is it. It's not like we're going to have another chance or this will happen in the next turning or every turning has something like this and the pattern is never destroyed. It's fine. It's like, yeah, it's happened over and over again. It's happened infinite times. But every time that this comes around. It's the this is it. If if the dark one wins and like by math, he eventually will. Right. Then time ends. Like this is like a big deal right now, and I feel like it takes away from that to say that this happens in every turning or that there's yeah. a dragon in every turning.
1: I feel like it undermines the importance of the cycle,
0: yeah, exactly there's a, there's only a dragon in the third th- in the yeah, in the third age or a dragon reborn in the third age. It's so strange. So all of this was a little bit weird um, but to be fair, like we don't know necessarily what it means to be the dragon reborn in the age of legends like i don't know like the prophecy is just that the dragon will be reborn so and we haven't really heard any yeah prophecy. is there
1: is there supposed to be more to it like is he supposed to like is it does it just say like oh he'll be super powerful and then he'll like he'll either join him or he'll save us but is there like more to it like he'll have this power and he can do this and stuff
0: yeah, so the prophecies are pretty specific, and we see Rand in episode five with a copy of the Corinthian, Corinthian, Carith- Carith- You guys, I don't know. I'm sorry, the Corinthian cycle. I think is how you pronounce it. <laughs> um, I always want to say Corinthian, but that's like a well, that's, Christian that's thing. The
1: actual Bible. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Right. I think, and I think that's what it's a rip on. I don't know, but in the Corinthian cycle, that is the prophecies of the dragon. And that's what the book that Rand was holding in episode five. And he like dropped it on the ground when Loyal walked in and scared him.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: So there's like a bunch of prophecies of the dragon and there's a lot of really specific ones I won't spoil, um, but generally speaking, there are a few things that they know in the books will definitely happen before the last battle. So, like, there's a couple of steps that they're aware of, but there's also things that are really vague that are in the in the prophecies and they don't quite know what to make of them. And as the story goes on, they're like, oh, fuck, is this what this means? Or there's, like, references to the blacksmith in the prophecies. And forever before they meet the Emmons Field kids, you know, Maureen and everyone's like, I don't know what this means. Who's the blacksmith? Right. And then they meet Parent, and they're like, oh.
1: Oh, that kid.
0: Yeah, so like everybody's in the prophecies, which is part of their being Taviran. At least um in the books Matt and Perrin are in the prophecies because it's only the three boys who are Taviran in the books. So. Right.
1: Okay, so I'm glad that you brought that up because I wanted to talk about that for a minute. Um in the in the book, it has only mentioned the word Taviran so far, but it hasn't gone into detail about them.
0: When does it mention Taviran that early?
1: Uh she says we heard tell of Tavirin or something like that, I think. Is she was saying something to Land because Rand overhears them talking and she's like, if there are Tavirin here, like we'll find uh, them or something like I that. Okay. I can't remember. I'll have to go back and, and listen to it, but okay. Cause I know I it d- doesn't
0: get explained until they meet Loyal. I think. Oh if I remember okay. my Eye of the World details.
1: <laughs> okay, that's a really good segue too. Can we can we jump into why you think uh loyal is still alive or am i not allowed to know that
0: no we can talk about loyal and we can talk more about tavirin
1: yes i get answers
0: yeah i'm gonna answer all kinds of shit right now because this is like the the loose spoiler section so loyal's not dead and neither is
1: oh the dude that doesn't know how to step sideways okay that's fucking cool yeah
0: he's still alive loyal was totally moving at the end of that scene first of all Second of all, in Rafe's AMA from like weeks ago, like not since the show ended, but the the right. AMA after episode 4 when w- people were asking about Loyal because it was before we'd met him in episode 5 and it was like remember I told you the uh, the stills that got leaked
1: yeah and everybody was like wow, he looks like trash or whatever.
0: Yeah, and people were really upset and I just want to say for the record, Hamed who plays him is Loyal
1: dude yeah that guy's perfect as fuck i don't know anything about loyal in the books but i just know that he killed that shit
0: he i mean he embodies that character like as well as lan is for reference on someone who you're see, who you're reading yeah. about okay right if not better and it's like it that is loyal even if it isn't like aesthetically how we pictured loyal So he, um, one of the things Rafe said in his AMA because people were freaking out was, look, I would rather have more loyal than less loyal. And if we weren't gonna have a lot of loyal, you know, we could use more CGI or whatever, but I'd rather have loyal. So I want you to get more loyal. And that doesn't sound like someone who's going to kill him off after like two lines of dialogue. And Loyal has, like, shit to do. And also, he's filming. Like, it's... And Rafe came out and confirmed it, like, three days after the episode came out. Which I'm like, Rafe, I you are such an amazing nerd. I, I love that you, like... You, like, can't hold that back. Like, you have to tell us. Because you're so fucking stoked about this show. <laughs> But no, Loyal, Loyal is like confirmed by the showrunner to be alive. And I think they're just trying to fake us out because they are going to actually kill some people at some point. And I don't love that approach. Personally, I think we've had too many fake-out deaths this season. That would be a criticism I have of the show. Um, and, and a lot of cliffhangers at the end of this episode. I'm like, do we need that? Do we yeah. need to feel like Loyal's dead? But then you're going to come out and tell us he's not dead like five days later.
1: Why can't he do that for my boy Tom then?
0: Well... Is this an appropriate time to give some Tom spoilers? It might be a little too plot he's, spoilery. He's well, I
1: don't know. That's up to you to decide. You're going to, you're the one that knows. I know that he's with them now. I know that he was with them when they leave the entire, like when they leave the two rivers, I, he was, he was part of their party when they left.
0: Yeah. I, um, yeah, he was, he stays with them all the way. He gets, when they get separated in Shatter Logoth, he'll be with Matt and Rand. So like it, like the way that it was done on the screen, Oh, I'm just gonna skip
1: to that part. He yeah, just met they just in that there. mining town.
0: Yeah, I'll give them more time as a core core cast in the beginning. Like, I think that makes sense. Yeah, that's fair. But I won't spoil all the Tom stuff. But you know, I'm I'm surprised that he was only in like an episode and a half. I'll say that. I'm surprised we didn't get more Killing Tom. Me, Smalls. Yeah, I but know.
1: no, I get it. Like, if I that, can message I mean, you. Like,
0: no, you. No, want no, me to you? Are, no, because
1: no, okay. because there are there are like I said, like I want to know the background stuff and like the lore and shit. But there is like the character stuff and development. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that I want to kind of like experience. However, I have been thinking after you and I had the discussion on on the episode eight review about the symbol of the Aes Sedai. Mm-hmm. And how the thin to large portion is the flame of of Tar Valen,
0: mm-hmm.
1: It made me think about Men's Vision.
0: Oh, did it, yeah, it now? Did. It
1: made me think about Men's Vision.
0: <laughs> did it? In fact, tell me more. Good job.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I, and well, and like, and it, and it hit me while well, I was like, because I was driving to, I was driving to. Get something for lunch and I was just listening to the episode. And then I was, and you were like, and it's like a flame, you know, like the flame of Tarvalent, And then I was like, Oh, I'm a fucking idiot.
0: A white flame? Yeah, you yeah. are. I was like I I kinda,
1: so stupid.
0: I said on Dark Friend Social after that, I was like, Scott doesn't get it, and I don't understand. <laughs> I was like, it's the name of the fucking prior episode. Dude, no, so, so what stupid. so in that <laughs> No, I actually loved watching you try and piece that together. It's just and honestly, it's like it wasn't all over the internet, you know.
1: Well, yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I'm trying to stay away from it as much as I can. Like, I don't go on our Twitter when I know you've posted stuff.
0: You should not be on Twitter at all. It's not safe. Twitter of time is just like we're working on it on our spoiler tags, but we're a very spoilery community, which I'm very, you know, honored to be a part of
1: honored and ashamed
0: I, <laughs> can't keep secrets in this house mostly honored but but so yeah the two prophecies men had about one or both of the girls we don't know i genuinely don't know is the white flame the flame of Tarvellan, likely and which is what they call the armorland seed
1: right and that's what it put it together for me and then the golden crown
0: no the golden ring
1: ring sorry
0: Right, I couldn't believe you didn't get this.
1: I figured that one out now. Okay, that one I put together, and I didn't feel like it like warranted right me saying second. anything. Yeah, no, 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 no. I figured that one out at the end of uh, the seventh episode. I was you like, never oh told my me. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you because I don't want to give you the satisfaction of being like, "Wow, my co-host is a fucking idiot."
0: Dude, I was like the golden. No, it actually took me a minute to figure it out. I was not clear on that for a second. But I'm wondering if it's foreshadowing uh, or a prophecy of them both just becoming Aes Sedai, that they're going to mm-hmm. go to the Tower, I think makes sense. Like, yes, yeah, spoilers, they're going to go to the Tower. Like, I feel like they're going to try and go oh, to Oh, no, Aes yeah, Aes Sedai, I, I knew they shocking, had to. Right. I know, I, that's the kind of general thing that I'm like, that's a minor spoiler. That they're going to try and become Aes Sedai, I think should surprise no one. Um, But so it could, because the Flame of Tarvalon is both the name, like one of the names of the Amarlin Seat, like the honorifics, and the symbol of the Aes Sedai. Right, of the female half so it's it's it could mean any number of things about one or both of the girls but i think it means that they're both going to try and become aes
1: i think it kind of has to right like that just kind of like especially with the way that the season ended with the two of them in out in the battlefield yeah and eguine is like i just watched like three almost four people die from the power i need to figure out what the fuck i'm doing
0: yeah, and I just wish they'd had a line of dialogue. I think it would have made the whole episode stronger if it had just been like, yo, look what a mess she just made. Can we go get trained? Because this seems like something we should know how to do. Like, <laughs> properly. So that yeah, would have been nice. Um, backing up slightly to Loyal, though, th- confirmed that he'll be back. Pretty much confirmed Agomar is not actually dead. But... The the one thing that I want to touch on here is if Loyal is not dead, then the dagger has had some really significant changes to it. Um, because the dagger is yeah, like, then
1: shouldn't the dagger have like destroyed him?
0: I mean, you'll see what the dagger does when someone gets. Actually, I don't know that anyone actually gets stabbed with the dagger until later, maybe after book one. But it's not it's not great. So maybe Loyal is exempt on account of being from the multiverse and like not human or of this world. I don't know. Yeah. Cause Ogi are from the multiverse.
1: No, I got that. Yeah. I because now if you're telling me that the knife does like crazy cool shit, I'm I'm back on team Patent Fane. Like I'm I'm back yeah. on Team Fane again. And I'm still convinced that he is not. He's not working for some other kind of evil.
0: I'm not sure what they're gonna do with him. He's something I would I would support changes to. And like
1: Well, that's the one thing I did read. Uh like when I was first, I was like, wait, what was that guy's name? Because I was doing notes for I think like the fifth episode, fifth or sixth episode or something like that. Um, and I came across some things for him and I was like, Oh, this is so weird and interesting. Um
0: you probably know more about it than me right now like honestly it gets me confused like the patent fame stuff is wild it's but it's weird because the fade was scared of the dagger right that's how i took it right it it didn't
1: want to go near him but then these other two fades are standing right next to him
0: maybe the fades were just scared of like the other evil someone else having it. it yeah
1: and matt was like corrupted by that evil
0: yeah, because Pat and Fane's like obviously on their side, I think. It's, it's a little weird. It's an odd change, but there's plenty of room for them to like make it make sense. It's just one of those things that we're like, but if the rules that I understand make sense, then that what I just saw doesn't make sense. And I'm like, we haven't seen anything to definitively tell us.
1: That- I mean, that's true. We really didn't see much. The dagger hasn't done much except corrupt Matt. And that we already saw like it was it tried to corrupt moraine when she removed it but then it like went back into the dagger itself so that's my only confusion now with this new information kind of brought to me uh in the last 3 minutes <laughs> if the if the dagger is supposed to be doing something special or crazy to loyal if he was stabbed with it i have a legitimate concern about change like that again granted i don't know what the change is supposed to be like what the dagger is supposed to be doing it's just
0: supposed to kill you super 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 fucking dead like it's like you'll see because i don't want to spoil the moment for you because it's fun but like it kills you fucking (laughs) dead like you're not like it's it's not like it turns you into a unicorn or something it just it just kills you a lot
1: and so i'm like it it super kills you like you've heard of death this is death 2.0. 2.0
0: it's like a different kind of yeah this is like holy fuck like um so yeah you just you just really don't want to get stabbed with it but so if they could change that and i think it wouldn't be the end of the world it's just like kind of a crazy moment where like matt stabs somebody and it's like yo what the fuck <laughs> like, okay
1: yeah I'm fine. and with he's that. just
0: it's like so dead and so i uh but i could i could totally see them like keeping that rule and just saying have have loyal drop one line and be like Ogier oh, can't be hurt by you know shit like that
1: like <sighs> magic of this world or something like that yeah, yeah that'd, that'd be cool. fine with me yeah i'd be okay with that because we don't know enough about him to be like that's bullshit
0: exactly and that would be like book canon which works because that's like a cool part of the ogier and like an important thing and yeah so but i'm glad he's not dead because the ogier have stuff to do but then this was one of the changes that made me feel like book cloak because i was like wait 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 like you, i'm like we could cut the gear probably right like even if they didn't like even if we didn't have loyal if it didn't really didn't have many more gear like that'd be fine right and then i'm like spinning out i'm like that's not okay that's fucked up what do you mean kid? Like, and i'm like no Len's like what do you honestly is it that important and i'm like and then i get really upset so i i kind of get it like there are things that but he's alive and that's all fine can i tell you about taverin now
1: Yes, please. God, I'm so tired of like not knowing. Anything. I know. So
0: we t- we've been talking about it increasingly more. And in the main episode, we said it means you're like an important thread in the pattern. You can't just like walk away from your shit. Like the pattern's going to swirl you back into it. Right. But aside from just being an important thread and being like you get you get caught up in the pattern. Right. Like I said, like Matt can't just walk away. Right. Unless the pattern wants him to be where he is. Um, you don't just get to leave. Like, if the pattern needs you to be somewhere, you're gonna fucking be there. And there's hilarious running gags, primarily of Matt being like, I am leaving tomorrow. I am peacing out of this. I'm fucking tired of this. I'm gonna go live my rogue life. Fuck you. And and for days in like some palace somewhere, Matt will try to pack and like he'll come up with reasons that he can't leave. And it's and people are like, Matt, why didn't you? Uh, I thought you were gonna go. Like we all said it was fine. Why aren't you leaving? And he's like, I don't know, I'm just still thinking about it. And it's just Tavir it. it's like reality just won't <laughs> fucking allow you. To or like That's something amazing. random will stand in your way. Like every time you try and leave town, there's like all the roads get washed out. Like reality just forces you on your path.
1: Oh, okay, I got you. And
0: got yeah, you. so sometimes it's people, sometimes it's like nature, sometimes it's just your own head or circumstance, but you get like swirled into the pattern but the inverse of that is when the pattern swirls around you. So if you're Taviran and you're walking through a town, you could stop somewhere for like the night in an inn and have, it's like every couple who had so much has gone out on one date ends up married in the same day. Like shit like that, just like like weird fuck? shit That's just awesome. happens around you. Like where, and they like, there's one point where they can, they're following um, one of the Taviran characters and they're trying to follow their trail. And this is the trail that like little towns are like, well, we had 70 weddings yesterday. So that was weird. And Maureen's like, excellent, excellent. And they go, and they're like, this seems like the right track. And then they go to the next town and it's like, Hey, how are things going here? And they're like, well, we had 85 people drop dead for no reason. And the pattern finds balance. And Good things oh, okay. can follow you and terrible things can follow you. But and they're just fucking weird. And then sometimes you can get super lucky and sometimes super unlucky. And it's like, what does the pattern want? Like, does it want me to be successful or not right now? And will kind of force those outcomes. And a really fun way that it transpires is like people bending all around you. Like, when you want something to get done and, like, the pattern demands it, they'll fucking do it. Like, Rand makes deals that are insane where he just, like, sits down with people and is like, all right, we're going to bargain. And they're like, well, we don't want to give you anything. We don't want to get on board and we don't want to play this game. And it's like, no, I fucking said sit down. And they all sit down and then they look around at each other like, why did we do that? And they don't know. Like, literally, like, things will come out of your mouth that you didn't intend.
1: Is it something that they can control or is it just something they can take advantage Mostly of?
0: Mostly the latter. Like, and they can, like, Matt has the most control over his, is all I'll say. I won't give away what his sort of proclivity is because Matt has a particular, like, Rand and Perrin are more like shit works out around them or weird stuff happens around them and people are like Taviran. But Matt has, like, a really particular way that his Taviran expresses it, itself. And he controls it reasonably well, but then sometimes it'll work against him, and he's like, "Fuck, fuck, fuck, fuck!" Like, and he because he does like <laughs> it's so funny <laughs> watching him panic in his head when things start to go like he starts to not be able to to leverage it the way that he wants to.
1: <laughs> okay, I'm like way more. Hit for it's this so
0: one. so cool, and I wish we, like we're gonna see more of it as we go on. But the the really cool one, and, um, the last example of it that I'll give is tugging that is how they describe it and it's sort of like what I was saying where like you could be sort of pushed along a path or held back from a different path but a lot of the time it'll be it's like between the boys and in this will in the show it'll be between all of the five who are Taviran where somebody will be off on a side quest and they'll just like turn around to their people and they're like bitch we gotta go we have to go to Rand now like I just know that we have to
1: oh yeah and
0: eventually it it turns into like when they think about each other they can like get visions almost of one another like they're super super connected between the three boys and then this will be the five of them and they kind of they just sort of know like it'll be like no i'm sorry i know we're on this like big side quest and it's taken like four books but for serious we need to leave like (laughs) i'm
1: super serial right now we have super serial
0: nobody believe me (laughs) except everyone like the Tavirin are like the ones that least believe in Taviran and they get so frustrated because everyone around them is like, "No, Tavirin, Like we get it totally. Let's go!" And they're like, "Fuck no! Like damn it, I want to be in control of my, <laughs> like my life, and I'm not." And it's it's funny when it affects people who are not the Taviran and they recognize that that's what's going on. Like there are Aes Sedai who are like, "Fucking hell, I can't get out of this town! Like I can't! Like god damn it, Rand!" <laughs> god damn it. But but Rand is the strongest. Um, and the last really strong Taviran before him, I believe was Luz Theron. I can't remember off the top of my head if Archer Hawkwing was Taviran. I'm going to look that up real quick because I want to know. Because we're going to talk about Hawkwing. Yeah, because I had questions about that. Yeah, he is a Taviran. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um... He might have been like one of the greatest of all times before Rand. I'm trying to, I'm pretty sure Luz Theron was Taviran as well. Him and Hawkwing and Rand. But it's, it's usually like once in a generation and you end up being this like incredible inspirational leader and, but to have all five of them will be fucking cool. So yeah. All
1: right, okay. I'm, I'm on board for this now. I've got more info in my. I've been waiting to say belt. all
0: that for so long. Thanks for letting me soliloquy that.
1: You're welcome. <laughs> Fuck, I can't leave this town.
0: That was pretty shit. I can't wait till we get Farron, you guys. It's going to be so good. But yeah, the Taviran stuff is really fun. And what's the best part about it, and then I really will stop on it, is, like, it's a super cool concept, right? Like, it's really interesting. It expresses itself in neat ways. It makes Matt the fucking best. But... It also serves as, like, the perfect plot armor whenever you need it. So, like, Nynaeve being, like, magically healed by Egwene, I'm like, we can call Tavirin on that if we really feel like we need
1: do. Oh, okay, Yeah, okay, crazy okay, shit
0: okay. happening that is totally improbable, and in a million years it would never happen. Tavirin. Like, yeah, great, it's built into the lore. <laughs> so I love it. It's like anything you can yeah, explain. You can just fair. wave it away. Virin. That's what Loyal would say. He'd say tavirin and everyone would say, Yeah, yeah, that's probably true. Moving on. And then you can gloss over every like weird improbability in the plot. <laughs> I mean,
1: it kind of gives you an out. Yeah, you're it's, right.
0: It's hilarious watching it happen. Like there are moments where it's just like, really? Yeah, okay, Taviran. And then they'll say, Tavirin, Taviran, and you're like, mm, yeah, okay. <laughs> and then watching stuff fall apart when they walk away where they like to veer in a situation into perfection and they're like okay you guys got this now right i have other places to be beautiful and they leave and then they get like a messenger or whatever and it's like so negotiations fell apart super hard when you left (laughs) just love the way that it works like it's genuinely some of the funniest stuff in wheel of time um do you have questions about the horn of valir
1: i have all the questions Why is it important? Why did they get it out? What exactly, like, is it, is it, why can only the dragon use it? Like, I just, yeah.
0: So, okay. So, it's an ancient horn, obviously. And the idea is that the dragon's going to, the dragon reborn will use it at the last battle. Which, again, the whole thing is supposed to be that that's what shepherds the last battle, right? Is the birth of the dragon reborn
1: right the whole no the ber- yeah. the birth of the oh, dragon oh no one, yeah the birth right? of it yeah
0: so it's like this is how we know that it's coming and yet for whatever reason agomar and them have decided that it's coming or else like we said in the main episode let's get it out of here in case we lose the city which i think makes the most sense um but it's like a fun conspiracy theory thing and it's like every so many decades or whatever groups of people called hunters for the horn will get together and go on a big search like for the holy grail cuz nobody knows where it is. And it's like let's go find the horn and we'll and that's why it's called the great hunt the second book. And all the way through the first book, you'll meet people who are like, we're hunters of the horn. Oh, there's a bunch of travelers here. They're hunters of the horn. Everyone, and it's like another sign that the last battle's coming. The fact that people have like decided to start actively looking for this in a meaningful way. And in the books, it pops up at the eye of the world, uh, along with some other random shit that is totally inexplicable. Um, But it's like, Rand, we feel like you need some more kit. Would you you like to have all this awesome shit? (laughs) We found it at the eye of the world. (laughs) (laughs) yeah this book is fucking ridiculous but so i actually am like really quite happy with the change to put that in in faldara not at the eye of (laughs) the world i'm like oh jesus but so they find it with like some other dragon related stuff and uh yeah and it's supposed to bring back the ancient heroes very like the ghost army in the lord of the rings um but these guys are stoked yeah these guys are happy to be here these are not like People who forsook their oaths and so they're trapped forever to respond to this call until it happens. These guys are like heroes that are churned out in every turning or whenever, however often that they're reincarnated. But they're always awesome. They're people and souls who, when they are reincarnated every thousands of years or whatever it is, are always fucking awesome. And if you're awesome enough, you get to be a hero of the horn. And that means... I mean, it means that you get to come back when the horn is blown. But it also means
1: that's pretty fucking dope.
0: I mean, yeah. And and you're just like you're you're just like a hero of legend. So Birgitta, who the little girl's doll is named after, is a hero of the horn. And Birgitta's like Katniss, like they're kind of like Greek heroes, almost like they all have like a thing.
1: Oh, okay. Right, And okay. Birgitta
0: has a, a big braid. Um, and the Birgitta doll had a, a blonde braid just like Birgitta has. And she's an archer. And she's just like fucking so cool. And she's like all cool shit that she's done over like gazillions of years. And they come back if the horn is blown. And it's like, I think Hawkwing is one of the heroes of the horn. I could be fucking wrong. I don't know. Maybe I should look that up. I was when we're doing the the book spoilers. I'm like, oh, are you talking about your asshole? <laughs> <laughs> hang on let me look but yeah heroes of the horn known heroes yeah archer hawkwing brigitte silverbow um a number of other geidel kane who is Brigitta's forever love every time that they're turned out they're always reincarnated around the same time they always find each other and they're like these tied souls um but yeah, if you're badass enough, you get to come back with the horn and it's like you're this dope ghost army, except you're a dope ghost army who everybody recognizes. Like it would be like if like Optimus Prime came out in like a battle. and It's like, oh, it's <laughs> <laughs> so it's just really cool. Um, and I like that Birgitta protects the little girl while she sleeps. We'll just say that. That's like enough of a teaser. Um, That's quite cool. Yeah. That will come back around. So everybody remember that. That'll be fun when everyone understands what that's about, but yeah. So that's what, that's what that's about. And the idea is that it's like the prophecies say that the dragon will blow it. Right. The expectation is that it's going to be the dragon who blows the horn, but what everyone knows is that whoever blows the horn that's it. Only that person can blow the horn. The horn can be blown more than once, but only by the, that person until they're dead.
1: Oh, so like I could blow the horn first and then you could come in after and blow it and nothing would happen if you blew it. Exactly. Oh, okay. So it's like imprinting. Yeah. There's
0: some like stakes around the horn and like making sure that it's done right. I guess like, if they keep all of this, these could, these are things that could be changed because we don't know anything about it in the show right now, but yeah unfortunately. But lore-wise, that's what that's about. And we'll meet some fun characters who will stay with us um, on the hunt for the horn. And it will definitely be something that they're going to want to go get, right? Like, there's no question in my mind that that's where Perrin goes in Season 2. I think they set that up for him to go after it with uh, with probably Uno and Ingtar, who are some of the other guys from Faldara. And actually, now that I think of it...
1: Yeah, is the guy with the Yeah, part. Uno's
0: uno is bloody awesome we'll say uno's the best i love him uno tries so hard not to swear and he and Nynaeve just like can't even because Nynaeve in the books doesn't doesn't allow that in the show she doesn't seem to care as much yeah but she did Nynaeve doesn't allow swearing she's very like captain america of the team so she doesn't like uno very much because
1: he's yeah gosh language
0: darn it. but uh it actually makes sense to me making the horn something that's like been guarded by the Faldarans because it is Faldarans who go to retrieve it for different reasons in the books. Um, But this makes a lot of sense of like having that sense of responsibility for the horn. So I can see them going to get it.
1: Okay. That adds up. But I mean, first they
0: have to realize that wasn't the last battle because they don't know shit about fuck, but you know, We'll see once I don't know. Maybe they'll all think maybe we don't need to get the horn. Maybe it's fine, it's over. Which is again baffles the mind because they know that like the horn is part of the prophecies. Surely Moraine's sort of the bloody horn of Lear. Right? And she's like, this is it. This is the yeah, last have to. Stop. Um.
1: She's just confused and excited.
0: <laughs> Anything else on the horn?
1: No, I just I needed more info on what the fuck it why was why it's important. Yeah, so that that basically answered my question.
0: Okay, so let's talk about a little fat man angry all just as an Easter egg and also an interesting change that I have my eyebrow at. So Rand, like the whole series, has this little Angreal that he gets a hold of fuck, I don't know, in book four. And carries around for the rest of the city or the rest of the series. And it's a little fat man sitting cross legged with like a sword across his knees. And it's a little tiny thing that fits in the palm of your hand. So the saw Angrielle that he gets here from Moraine for sure is that, which I think is super cool. Like that's an important part of Rand's kit. So I like that he gets it from her. It's totally different from how he finds it in the books. Um, he doesn't have one of these so early on because there's very few of them for men. So this was this was one of those lore-breaking things that really stuck in my craw and made me like feel some kind of way for no fucking reason because I can't see how it impacts anything. <laughs> are we saying that the Angriel are not gender-specific? Like anybody can use anybody's shit?
1: She did kind of just hand it to him.
0: And like she was planning to use this uh, for Egwene, right? He's like, you thought Egwene was going to be the one. He says that to her when she gives it to him, right?
1: Yeah, right, right when she gives it to him.
0: So it seems like anybody could have used it. So why didn't Moraine, first of all? (laughs) Like, at any point? It seems like that would have been really helpful.
1: Yeah, that probably would have helped her a lot, protecting Shield,
0: Or, like, shielding Loghain. Like, everyone's tired. I'm like, you guys don't want to, like, link up and use the Angriel. No, we're good. No, thank you. Okay. Um... I don't know what that was about, but it seems like that can be used by men or women. And I'm like, okay, I don't see why it matters, but I have to point it out because it's, it's just fucking weird. Um, but that must've been the case. Cause otherwise I don't know how she would have an angry all for men. It's really, it's why it takes ran four books to find one. Like there's very few objects of the power that are first for the male half of the source left since the breaking.
1: Yeah, I mean that just makes sense. Yeah,
0: so it's like a whole thing for like Rand and also like the male Forsaken are like so butt hurt the whole time. They're like fuck, like they find like stacks of these things, and it's like, can I get one? I'm like, no, <laughs> not for you, <laughs> not today. Sorry, Ishi. <laughs> but, um, all right, so let's talk about Moraine. Moraine's, I'm, i I'm fairly convinced Shield that we alluded to.
1: Yeah, I don't think she's stilled.
0: I don't either. And what's interesting is that Rafe Judkins and Brandon Sanderson are saying that she is.
1: No, that's some. Um, they're not. in No way home. Bullshit. Right.
0: That's what I think too. I, I think I'm like that's cute, because Brandon Sanderson, to all the credit in the world, was on the Dusty Wheel doing a live watch um with matt hatch on the dusty wheel and i was like god you are so fucking cool like with this fandom doesn't deserve i mean we do deserve it we're a great fandom but like come on guys this is awesome this is like the dopeness like this was just so cool so but brandon sanderson was like i saw the script and like it's such a stilled. and i'm like bitch what i think that's some crap i think that she is shielded and the weave is tied off so this is something they haven't talked to us about in the show yet. And that if I remember correctly is discovered during the books from the I said, I like this isn't like a thing most people can do for a while, which is like do the weave, but then tie it off so that you could like walk away and it's still doing its thing. And you don't have to be like actively doing magic. Like they were for Loghain's shield and they're just like, right.
1: Almost, someone had to be there.
0: Yeah. Like you can tie that shit off. So this looked nothing like Loghain's Stilling, and everything like the shield. Like it was the exact same look of the shield on him. And I just feel like, I feel like that's what it is. I feel like it's a tied off shield. And I don't think that they know how to do this because they didn't do it with Loghain, right?
1: Yeah, this this definitely has lost magic about it. Especially because Moraine, if Moraine thinks she's stilled, then that would make sense that she would have no knowledge of how to get this off.
0: Yeah. I I think that that's the case. Because I know that Loghain was, like, too strong for them to tie off a shield. He'd be able to break through it. Because that's that's the thing you can do, right? If a shield is is tied off, eventually you can break through it, usually, if you're strong enough. And if you know that that's an option, which Maureen clearly isn't thinking about it. So like, she might be able to push herself out of this thing, but otherwise she's going to need a dude to untie it or like even see that it's there. Like if Rand took a good look at her right now, he'd probably be able to see it. Cause he's now channeled enough. I think to like have a sense of that, but she just sent him on his merry fucking way.
1: Didn't even go after him. Doesn't know
0: shit about fuck. (laughs) just like, just no shit about the
1: shit that we're in <laughs> out here
0: so i think she'll need amanda untie it and um i am going to discuss the possibilities of how this gets done after you're out of here so that i don't spoil you um but so readers do stick around because i'm going to talk about like the details of how she's going to get out of this situation, whether she gets herself out or somebody else has to get her out and who that's going to be. um, And when and where, and I'm going to talk about all of that on the really evil spoilery side of this. So I want to save um, kind of the conversation of the events at the eye of the world for the end here. So we are going to circle back to this because we're going to straight up spoil who Fire Eyes is because Amazon has. However, for those of you who don't want to know that, we are going to leave it towards the end so that you can head on out of here. So we're going to skip ahead to the ships invading and then we'll come back to the details of what happens at the Eye of the World. So everybody run and hide. It's the fucking Shanshan. They're here. And I can't wait. Now I get to explain Dude. like what they're about and I'm so excited. Fuck yeah. Okay, are you ready for the shit?
1: Let's go. Because they look sick they as They look fuck.
0: terrifying. So this is where Arthur Hawkwing comes into things. So Arthur Hawkwing was an awesome Taviran, right? And he's a hero of the horn. And he was mentioned in episode two when Egwene is talking to Moraine and she asks her about the oaths. And she says that the Aes Sedai oaths, you know, not to lie or use the power for... A weapon, and yada, yada that those came into being in order to end the siege on Tarvalon by Arthur Hawkwing. So he united the whole world, basically, like all of the Westlands.
1: Wait. so, oh, sorry, no, I was confused by what you meant, like with the West. okay. yeah, so okay, the Westlands okay,
0: okay. are everything west of the spine of the world, the or the the dragon spine the or the dragon wall. Uh, which is with the IEL waste, everything west of the IEL waste up to the sea. Like the map that we have on Amazon, those are the Westlands. and that's like our primary right. playground here in the in this story. So he unites like the whole like all the countries of the world post breaking, right? This is after the breaking of the world. This is like Manethrin um, right. would have been under his rule. And this is a great example of Taveran, right? Like, who else would be able to accomplish that shit? You gotta have yeah. something working for you. So he unites the world and he's like, All right, manifest destiny, bitch, we're going west. And he sailed a huge army out west to see what was there and continue conquest. And he finds a gigantic continent and it looks kind of like an enormous Japan.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. And so this is, this is the continent of Shanshan and he basically like brings them into his empire and they're like the last people to um, like really abide by that. I guess a simple way of saying it, (laughs) like they still believe very much in the empire. And in serving, like, the oaths to Arthur Hawkwing and, like, about bringing everybody into the Empire. So they're here to reunite the Empire. They're like, you guys forgot about your oaths. And we are here to make you reswear them and swear to the Empress, may she live forever. And you're going to be in our Empire. And for the most part, these guys are, like, cool with autonomy. Like, they kind of are like, that's fine. Like, you guys can run your own shit. Like, you can still be the queen of this city or whatever. But, like, you have to swear your oaths to the Empress. And there's going to be, like, Shanshan people here. There's also, like, Shanshan creatures that only exist in Shanshan. And now the Westlands. um, That are, like, terrifying and awesome. And there are...
1: Oh, like this dope ass Drakkar thing that I just read about the other last night that we no, did. Drakkar to
0: see? are um Shadow Spawn. And I know. I hope we get to see them too. Oh, like giant okay. vampire bats. Yeah. They're Shadow Spawn, but the creatures from Shanshen are often mistaken for Shadow Spawn, even though they're not. They're just animals. But there's like like Lord of the Ring style fell beasts. Like, there's some cool shit that the Shanshan have. Like, they're very well kitted out. They have a lot of cool stuff. And there's crazy shit over there. Like, there's Ogier in the Shanshan. Like, there's... It's a whole shit show. It's, like, a big place um, with a really long-standing political system, like, since Arthur Hawking got there, right? So they're very... Right. Like, indoctrinated, right? Like...
1: Right. They're basically, like the empire is all and we are all the Pretty empire much. kind of thing like everything should be a part of the empire. okay
0: I got it. and there's also like a very fucked up social system so slavery is a thing in shanshan a million percent and
1: this is already very game of thronesy
0: it's a lot uglier than game of thrones so mm. yeah so like slavery is a thing and there's also a lot of like like, the, the empress's daughters, like, yeah, no, my first assassination attempt against me when I was three? Totally. Like, their whole society is, like, fucked up and brutal, right? And there's a lot of murder. There's a lot of assassins. Like, there's, it's actually really fun. But um, the thing that the Shan do that makes them really terrifying is... They seek out, like I said in the main episode, these are the first guys that we've seen with a different system around how they handle magic, right? Because people can do magic just like anywhere else. Yep. Men go insane just like anybody else. They kill the men. Oh, right. There's no gentling. They, they kill them immediately. The women, they go out to all of the villages and towns and cities every year and they test all the girls. And if anybody can channel... They take them, and it's like, oh my god, it's so fucked up. Like, I've never even said out loud, like, what the Shanshan do. They have a Terangrial, which is like, a remember, like, the magical apps?
1: Yes, superpower. Like,
0: no, not the Saangrial.
1: Oh, no, the item, like the raw. Yeah, the ones the that are like rock. an
0: app, they do a specific thing. So, they have a Terangrial called an Adam, and an Adam is a collar and leash attached to a bracelet. And what they do is they take the girls who can channel, who are called Damani, and they collar them. And another woman who's specially trained, who's called a suldam, wears the bracelet. And if you're the Damani and you have the the leash on, you can't channel without permission and instruction by your suldam. If you do, you'll get incredibly, incredibly sick. Like you physically can't do it. You can't walk anywhere without your suldom. You can't leave. Like if you move the bracelet, like you can walk around like it's a stake in the ground. But the second you move the bracelet, you get so sick and crampy, like your muscles, you physically can't move. Um, yeah, through the that. bracelet, the suldom can make you feel whatever she wants just by thinking it. So if she wants to punish you by being thrown into a vat of boiling water, she can make you feel that without ever actually hurting you for as long as she wants. So they take you into slavery as a channeler and force you to channel for them. So the girls that we saw on the boat with the the other women behind them, those were the Suldam and Dumani with them telling them, okay, so now make the wave and like murder that little girl.
1: Oh, okay, cuz I was like what is going on with these these fucking outfits right here? Yeah. That makes a lot of sense.
0: So, yeah, they're horrifying for one thing. Like, and I'm very concerned for Megan and all of the channelers in the Westlands cuz nobody's used to this, right? I mean, like we saw like the worst thing is probably like what happened to Swan in Tyr. and Tier. And
1: yeah she was like routed out of yeah this
0: town. is like a lot significantly worse like this is forever like you can't take the collar off there's no and eventually the stockholm syndrome is so real and the like the just the way it's like hammered in especially for girls from shanshan we like this is the culture like you don't want to escape like there are moments where one of our heroes will like rescue a Devani and she'll give them away like desperate to get back Cause the Stockholm is so real. So it's like a whole fucked up thing where it's like, well, what do we even do? Like you're so fucking dangerous and I don't want to leave you a slave, but also like Jesus Christ. And they, they're just live wire bombs. Um, but it's also like really, really heinous. And we'll like, you'll get point of view chapters from I who get taken and stuff. And like, it's fucked up. So the Shanshan are, like, really, really scary. Like, when I said that they were, like, not evil bad guys, like, they're as evil as not Sworn to the Dark One gets.
1: Yeah, that kind of,
0: yeah, that kind of sounds like... It's fucked up, um... right? Like, it's, ri- like, just even saying all of that out loud, I'm like, man, the Shanshan are... But they're one of the most, like, interesting cultures. There's some of the most fun stuff to read, even though it's objectively horrifying. So I really, like... I like the Shanshan stuff, but also it's like so reprehensible and like, just it's just, it's so bad. But then you get, you know, Shanshen point of view chapters and like, they're a really interesting crew because they don't think that what they're doing is wrong. Like they're, they don't see it as cruel. Their thing is that men who could channel, go insane and destroyed the world. So we're going to kill them. But women who can channel, well, they're really, really dangerous. So we have to keep them under control, but also benefit us economically when they get ore out of the ground using the power or what, you know, it's like, or in war or whatever. And so it's like, they're horribly corrupt and it's like all backwards and it doesn't really make sense. But at the same time, it's what they like really, really believe and it's like their culture, but it's objectively wrong. And it's just really complicated and interesting. And I like the Shan shen for that. But it's, it's pretty <laughs> horrifying, yeah. right?
1: That sounds, yeah, that's fucked up. Okay.
0: Yep. I'm concerned for everybody. I'm,
1: uh, yeah, I thought they were like cool and shit at the beginning, but that's, that's a different level of fuck.
0: What's weird and and a change here with them is the way the leash works, though, the ADOM. And eventually, uh, there will be such a thing as a leashless ADOM, because there's no leash in the show. Um, And eventually, that will get sorted out, and there will be ADOMs that don't have a leash, and it's like someone's wearing a necklace and someone's wearing a bracelet, right? And there's nothing in between. Right. Because that doesn't actually matter, right? It's not... You, you're never it's not like a dog where like you could try to break the leash like you can't even try to do that um the leash is just a visual aid really so getting rid of that i'm like that makes sense because the way it's discovered in the books which i won't spoil but once that gets figured out it's like you know the shan would have figured that out. like they've been doing this for how long like they didn't come on fuck off you're not that special like <laughs> Sit down. Yeah. I'm like, don't be <laughs> ridiculous. So I'm really okay with a leashless Adom. What confused me with it, though, was like they had that like gag in their mouth. And I'm like, I don't get it. Is that the other side of the Adom?
1: That might be the change. Like, yeah, I would say that's probably the change. I
0: think that's weird because you would have to be wearing that like literally all the time. And it's like, I it's super scary and dehumanizing, but... It doesn't, this seems like a weird change to me because it's like the leash worked so well. Like why change that? It made so much sense. It told you everything that you needed to know at a glance, like, and it allowed your characters to speak, which is a thing that they do. So I'm kind of like, what? But I, but we haven't seen it in action. And I noticed that the Damani did have a collar, but it was more like, it almost was like shoulder pads. Like a metal shoulder pad. Did you see that? It was like around their neck, but it also went over their shoulders.
1: Yeah. Okay. Now I'm. I'm like. I'm kind of like trying. I'm trying to remember the scene, but yeah. It. I'm wondering if they're changing it because they don't want to give. up They don't want it to be that dark.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: Like there was some crazy shit in this show, but I'm wondering if they don't want the chain in there because that's that is like another level. Of it's pretty
0: dark. fucked up, right?
1: Yeah, I feel like having that thing in their mouth like basically puts the will of the speaker into that person is a good way they would explain it. That
0: could be, that could make sense. It's so funny. I'm trying to find a picture and it's like all fan art. Cause there's just not enough. Hang on. I got one.
1: Cause there's just like nothing.
0: Okay. So take a look at that that I put in the chat. Um, they have this thing around their neck and shoulders. And then you can see the Suldam behind with the bracelet on their wrist.
1: With the bracelet. Okay, so they'll probably do that, but they'll say it's connected by the one. Well, power. and that
0: totally makes sense. Cause again, like the leash itself is just for show. They do eventually figure that out. Because they're yeah. like, yo, we can't walk around with this. This is ridiculous. And and then they like instantly figure it out. And I'm like, oh, super girls. So they they get rid of that relatively quickly. Um but I just don't know what which part of the Demani's outfit is gonna be the leash because if it's the shoulder pad thing that makes sense it does go around their necks right but it's not like a collar collar and i just i'm like how do you change clothes i don't get it
1: yeah that's i would still say it's the thing in their mouth it's got to be the thing
0: So they just have to like suck on that all day like that seems it must like magically like power itself to your face
1: no that's what i was gonna say what if like and this, I, I don't know because I don't know how it would work or they, the way they would explain it. Like maybe it's like permanently in there, like it's bonded to their mouth or their how teeth. How they or
0: eat? I like I just, because if you can, I don't get I it, don't Scott. Know, I don't know,
1: Margo. I don't have all the <laughs> answers. This is yet. one
0: that's bugging me. And it's so funny because I, these little changes that bother me are so dumb because it doesn't matter as long as like or, the crux of it is there and like it looks like it is.
1: So then if that's the case, then it's got to be the collars that they wear. And instead of them not being able to take it off, they, they take it off when they're like in their own chambers where they can't escape. So the only option they have like to get out of the room is to put the collar on. I don't on. know.
0: I just, I, that, that is a change that would bother me. I have to be honest. Cause one of yeah. the interesting things about it is that like, once you're taken as Damani, there's no lock on your door you can it's like it's like you're not even being held because you can't go anywhere without a a sold on putting the bracelet on because you'll cramp up and you can't walk five feet like you can't and so it's just it and it's like even more
1: well then maybe they can't be out of like a certain range of them or like they I don't know like that's that's gonna be tough maybe
0: it'll be more like what it is when they get rid of the leash later in the books which I won't I won't spoil except for that that happens um that, like, because these guys are a problem, these guys are a consistent problem. This is not like a season two story arc, this is a real situation. And uh, eventually they figure that out, and at that point, they just sort of have a sense like, they can always tell where the demoni is, and they can like use bracelet from right. any distance. Basically, like, if they want to incapacitate you, they can at any time. So, huh. Maybe it'll be like that and they won't need to... Because I just it's like one of the early things that you see of them is that the Damani are in the kennels, as they call it. Like, the Damani life is not great. And it's just the leash is just hanging on a peg on the wall. And it's just... And that's the only protection. There's no no lock on the door. Like, because you just can't... You can't pick it up off the peg. And you're just stuck there. And it's like, oh, they give you a different name. And they... And Megden... I believe is maybe not going to be called that the next time we see her. <laughs> I'm really concerned about her. I, I think that like might that. be like a POV, like
1: like how she got there. Yeah, cold open. Yeah, how I she think got cold open there.
0: episode one is like her being taken.
1: So my question is, when this scene started, like the the what do you call it, um the post credit scene, when it was like the pan in and it was just the beach and the little girl. Did you know what was about to happen?
0: A hundred percent. I knew that that was going to be the closeout of season one. Oh, that's lit. They're in the, not from a point of view character who understands what they're seeing, but they are in the prologue of book two. Right at Dark Friend Social. At the Dark Friend Social in book two, um, the the character whose point of view we see the Dark Friend Social from uh, notices the Suldam and Dumani.
1: Oh, okay. then.
0: So it's like, they don't know exactly what's going on. They're like, isn't that fucking weird? Like, okay. Like, Off to meet with the forsaken. <laughs> but um, yeah, you see them really early, which made me laugh because Ben didn't catch it. Right. After this, he was like, what the fuck is this? And I was like, people you have seen recently, <laughs> but I get, I know that you didn't catch it. <laughs> so speaking of uh, dark friends, do you have any more questions about Shan Shan before we move into this?
1: Oh, hundreds, but it's all stuff you can't tell me. So, okay. no, I don't.
0: I, I can't wait to see them do some damage. Um, so, we are now going to move into talking about the events at the Eye of the World. Yay. Very much yay. Um, We are going to be spoiling very shortly the identity of the bad guy there, because Amazon did it. Um. So... We're going to talk about that. If you do not want to know who that is, this is your time to exit, and that will be the last thing that we're talking about before Scott leaves us too. And I'll be digging into some way crazier spoilers. We might actually make this to to a two parter here.
1: I think we. I might think have we're going to. to so yeah. We're going a
0: little long, and I've got as it turns out quite a lot to say from a book spoiler first, pers- like a deep spoiler perspective on the rest of this. I think that's a good um, idea. So yeah. So look out for the second part of this episode. Um, but if you don't want to know the identity of fire eyes do head out now, but thank you guys for joining us for this, this front, you know, three, four fifths of the dark friend social.
1: <laughs> yeah, for real.
0: <laughs> and, um, and we'll see you guys. In season two of this podcast, coming in the next couple of weeks in January. But thanks for joining us. So you have now to head out, and I am going to spoil the fuck out of this in three, two, one. It's a Shamael
1: It's Yay! Ah!
0: It's a Shemayel. The Forsaken.
1: Yay! <laughs> I got one Forsaken.
0: You got exactly one forsaken and I know how absurd that people don't understand this. He's wearing a fucking suit, bro.
1: He's wearing a fucking suit. He knows lose on a personal level. He, I just, I, yeah, I don't, I don't fucking get it.
0: And I'm wondering like, would this have been better if we had seen lose? I'm sorry. Uh, sorry. um Shamael like, in the cold open, like, as a dude.
1: I feel like that would have meant a little bit more, but I feel like that would have been a, good, a dead giveaway. Because by the end of this episode, Rand and Moiraine think that he is the Dark One. And I in World, I understand why they would think that. At least I understand why Rand would think that, because he has only ever seen him as Fire Eyes, and he does the dope-ass arrow through the eye thing. That was cool. it was so fucking lit. Um... And then he's talking to him like a regular person and he's trying to entice him to join, you know, take what he wants from the power. So I understand from Rand's young, naive side of things, why he would think that's the dark one. Moraine has no excuse.
0: None. None whatsoever.
1: Especially because she totally in the second episode totally sounds like she knows there is a situation happening in their dreams.
0: Yeah, I'm still not over that. And the fact that Swan told her, I saw it in my dreams, the dark one at the eye of the world. And I'm like, bitch, like, how did you not put it yeah. together that everyone's having this? And like, why do you think it's the last battle? Surely you've heard of the Lord, the horn of Valir. I mean, we've said this like every week now. And like, it's just, I know. it's yeah. just fucking ridiculous. But I do love that. Like somehow not everybody has put this together. Because you put it together quickly, right?
1: I put that shit together so fast.
0: Also, Father of Lies, I'm like, it's a yeah, fucking it's, trap. Actually,
1: that's what helped. That's what helped me. Yeah. Was when he talks about the statues, I was like, oh, fucking bet, dude, because he made them dream this crazy shit.
0: Yeah, exactly. That didn't
1: happen, and I was like, oh, okay, I know who this is.
0: And tricks one, like I. would
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. It's a trap. I yeah. I do not believe in any way, shape, or form that this was anything other than trying to get Rand to break the break the seal, which he did.
0: Right, and that I think is I do think that that's what's going on. And another change from the book is that the seal is like this big thing.
1: Yeah, isn't it like another dimension or something?
0: Well, the seals—it's like the Dark One's prison is like where the dark one is is like another dimension the seals are a very real thing that like opens the gap between the dimensions
1: oh okay
0: and in the show they make it look like there's maybe just the one seal um
1: yeah they made it look like a vault
0: yeah which is cool made out of quendiar which is book accurate which is the heart stone the unbreakable stone that moraine's holding that broke that's what the seal is made out broken of broken
1: in her hand yeah mm-hmm.
0: Now, presumably, the big seal that we see at the Eye of the World in the show is the one that Luz and the 99 Companions made that's like the Band-Aid over the original prison.
1: Yeah, that's kind of what they were saying when we get that ghost vision of Luz at the thing. That's kind of what I figured That was, was, was what happened.
0: That was fucking sick and actually really underrated right now of like a question that we will ask a lot without necessarily a definitive answer. Is that really loose Theron, or is Rand insane? Because we've already seen somebody talking to someone who wasn't there, who I think we can now safely confirm was their past self.
1: I don't know. I still have questions about that. Oh, I'm
0: ninety nine point nine 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 a hundred percent sure that the dude in the cold open of episode one was talking to a past version of himself.
1: Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. I thought you were talking about Loghain and the two people oh, no. were talking to him. Him
0: too. Him too. Oh, that's bonkers. I'm thinking okay. that it, all the men who go insane. There's lots of ways in which they go insane, but the show's definitely telling us that one of the primary ones is that you see your hope. You hallucinate a person who Logan said was his past self. But the question is, are you just insane or are you actually talking to your past self? Or are you just crazy? Like a schizophrenic person doesn't have another human living in their head.
1: You know? I feel like that. Yeah, I think that just it's it's just like magical schizophrenia. I don't yeah. think there's actually someone there.
0: I think that's and and but then it's like, but you actually did used to be that person. So are the things that you're hearing true anyway? Does it matter that it's not actually someone there? Yeah. Like you know that anyway, it still like... true?
1: Yeah, it could just be like your past self and your past like insanity coming back through the wheel to this point.
0: Yeah. So super fun open question as to how insane Rand is about to go after that first glimpse. And also, again, like sign of good adaptation in my mind is is the fact that we're able to have that conversation right now at all and have it make sense and have three examples now of having seen it in season one. And like, because this is something that like, needless to say, will matter. (laughs) So it's pretty cool that uh, all these little things are getting dropped now. But anyway, what I was saying is that in the books, there are multiple seals and they're small. They can be carried around in like a backpack. And they're like, they shouldn't be able to break though, because they're Quendiar, but they're like starting to chip and like get fucked up. And they're like, oh my God, like when all of these break, the dark one is out. So what do we do? And they're all breaking because the dark one is getting stronger. Yeah, exactly. But in this, Shamiel, like, tricks Rand into breaking a seal or the seal. I don't know.
1: I think it's the seal that keeps either him or the other Forsaken in place.
0: Yeah, I wonder if there's, like, multiple seals and each seal will have a Forsaken. And they'll be, like, opening seals up regularly as we go forward <laughs> or yeah. um or if there's just the one seal and that now everybody's free and that was the smirk on Ishmael's face because Ishmael I have told you this um Ishmael is like the least well sealed away forsaken so Isham-
1: right that's how he's been able to walk between the seal and Terran, Terra, uh, Terra uh, ter- uh, to steroids. Their dreams. Yeah. No, no, the name of the place or whatever. I know. But yeah. I know.
0: But yeah. But I, uh, I'm not sure because in the books, they're all out already. The ones who are out, I don't think, it, I don't think Rand breaks them out then, does he? Like Ishamiel's out the whole time. Um, fucking with them, I feel like. I don't know. It's... <laughs> It's really kind of hard to tell because the Forsaken don't really do anything like in person for a little while. But so I don't know actually. No, if I he's thought uh, what's
1: his face? The dude that was basically being dragged across the seal for like thousands of years. He breaks out he right was,
0: then at the eye of the world.
1: That's what I'm thinking is like he gets out because that's Aganor. the only thing i know agnor yeah, yeah. I think and then he gets out right. and kills himself
0: the end of the eye of the world man is like i fucking don't know like it's he shows up obviously but i don't know if he um like if that's when he escapes i think it is i, I honestly the end of this book like i can't wait for you to get there so you can tell me if you understand fucking anything about it because i it's
1: well yeah i'm i'm excited as shit to see that i gotta
0: reread it. i haven't reread eye of the world in a little while so i'm like i don't i don't know but I'm not sure. I don't know about all that. But I like how we have like multiple or this, this big seal. I kind of like that idea. And uh, and I'll talk more in part two of this around what that might look like. Because the seals are obviously important. And like the fact that they're like little and there's a bunch of them matters. The seals are funny. Yeah, it's the, They're like, I said this in the primer that uh, the seals are... They're a lot like Voldemort when he's like, like his plan is never quite ripe until like Harry's finished with exams. Right.
1: Yeah. Until he's like, all right, cool. So did you pass your test
0: or not? All right, cool. We can. Pass. All right. Now I'm going to attack the school. Yeah. They, so like he wait, waits until everyone gets through their tests before his, his plan is quite ready. The seals are a little bit like that. They show up like in the climax of the first handful of books for a little while. Cause there's more books than there are seals, but uh, there's seven seals I think. And they, they, between the the first like eight books or nine books there's always a seal like you know the big shit will go down and then it's like oh my god look what i found in the rubble fuck yeah (laughs) and they just like find them as they go (laughs) they're just like just they're just ready right at the end of the big battle at each book
1: (laughs) so dude i love your explanation of shit (laughs)
0: oh my god look what i found in the rubble fuck (laughs) it's chipped we're all gonna die (laughs) <laughs> and then they're, and they're they play a big part towards the end so like i mean obviously right they're the seals on the dark ones prison like it matters the, the, what right, happens yeah. to them so um because <clears throat> obviously that seal's not broken all the way that's not uh like the dark one's not out now or the world is over right it hasn't like he hasn't broken out just because the seal broke
1: yeah because the world would just be done
0: because the seal's like chipped it's not destroyed right which is like the sign of him coming, well, at least in the books. I don't know. I'm really curious to see how they change it, but I'm kind of stoked. Like, I actually think if they had like seven big ass seals that were not mobile, that that would be really cool. And I'll discuss that, that a little bit more about Yeah, I'd be okay with that. But whether all the Forsaken are out or not, I'm unsure of. Um, I would like to think that they are all out now and that that was the goal. And that Ishmael, because he always sits he's like the least secure sealed one, right? Like he gets churned out of the wheel every couple of thousand years. Like he was there in the Trolloc Wars with Manethrin. Um, like that's like why that happened. Cause Ishamael got spun out and then he gets spun back in to the prison.
1: Right. Cause he's coming in and coming out all the time. Right. Yeah.
0: Like against his will though, it's just like, he's just like sealed up real shitty. So it's like every couple of years he pops out and he like, it was like, Oh, I'm going to cause a bunch of evil schmer, And then he gets sucked back in and, Like he's, and he's like totally insane. And, and the fire eyes thing is not, um, that's not show only. Like him being able to put that away is show only.
1: Yeah. I thought that was, uh, that's basically just how he looked. Right.
0: Yeah. And there's like a really, really good reason for that, that I won't spoil for you, but it's like super integral to like everything. And it's really awesome. And, yeah i'm like i'm not sad that we got to see like the actor because he was great in his like smock shirt suit but and also how funny was it seeing him with like his evil face but also he's wearing this suit like it's such a fucking giveaway that he's just he's just a guy
1: i i honestly i think it's because i'm so used to like looking for shit in marvel movies and like i can find easter eggs and shit but i don't get how anybody could think that was the dark one at this point i don't mean in universe i mean like Meta, like, like any person, the real world. Like I don't, I don't get how anybody could think that's the dark one.
0: No, I mean except for that everyone's telling you, right? Like I was confused right. about it in the first book because you're still learning the world, well, right? Yeah. It's like I don't know what's going on. Like, sure, maybe that's the dark one, but then Rand is like, "I killed the dark one, fuck you, Shaitan," and the whole world fucking like crashes around him. Means there's like an earthquake, and he's like, "Oh shit, did I not? Did I not kill?" The dark?
1: <laughs> oh, that's my be safe.
0: <laughs> I didn't mean to say your name then I thought you were dead. And Maureen's like
1: Right. So that was the other question I had. Um saying his name is like a bad news bears button, right?
0: Yeah, it's saying his name is kind of like putting the ring on in Mordor. Like he can see you once you do that. Oh. And it's sort of like uh it calls his attention upon you and it's supposed to be bad luck. And um, you know, a lot of it is like just you know bad omens bad luck superstition like in the two rivers for sure they're like that'll call his attention on you like oh no that's like inviting bad luck right
1: yeah because they say that in the chapter i just read it was like uh i think matt's about to say it or owen the kid that's with them oh and yeah one of the, <laughs> that stupid kid it, um, that was
0: robert jordan's wife harriet's input was because he was supposed to go with them and she was like what the fuck is this kid and he's like yeah good point
1: yeah thank you guys only
0: there in like two chapters he's actually you'll see Owen like way later which is cool or whatever his name is I don't know what his name is Owen is uh, Tom's nephew but um might also be this kid I I fucking don't know but um yeah so they yeah Yeah, whoever the kid
1: was that he tricked into there being ghost dogs in the forest or whatever right yeah
0: yeah (laughs) that fucking dumb kid I can't remember his name he's on the cover of uh like the shitty old covers of the the original ones. I'm pretty what, sure he's why? on the he's cover even... of it. Yeah, I know because like the illustrator like didn't read the book,
1: didn't understand.
0: <laughs> read like three chapters and was like, and they all left with more rain. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this
1: one kid that was asking questions, he's got to go with her. What the fuck?
0: <laughs> anyway, I yeah. So it's a superstition in the two rivers. But like, if you actually say his name, like you feel that, like it makes you nauseous, it makes you like, you have like a, you give like vertigo kind of thing.
1: Dude, that's so cool. I seriously, dude, I love that kind of like villain setup. Mm-hmm. It, they do it. And I know you haven't seen them and I really, really wish you would watch them. Um, they do that in John wick where like, Oh yeah. Just talking about him. Like, you want to shit your pants (laughs) like and anytime someone ever brings them up they're just like yeah well uh he stole john wick's car sir and he killed his dog and this crime boss literally just goes oh and hangs up the phone and you're like dude this guy is not someone to fuck with
0: (laughs) i gotta watch like that i've heard that they're really good
1: the first one and the second, the second one's probably my favorite, but the first one's good. Pretty- but anyway, yeah, I I love that whole like setup because like in in Deathly Hallows they kind of do that with Voldemort. They make his name taboo, and so like the yeah, the uh-huh. Death leaders can find you if you say his name.
0: Yeah, it's like that. It's just a less tangible version. It's like somewhere between that and Sauron, because that's the same. That's the same kind of concept, right? It's the right? same, basic it's principle, the same yeah. thing. For all intents and purposes, except that they didn't actually make it so that when you, like, touch the Horcrux, it alerts Voldemort. Like, that's, you know, it's like this slight adaptation off the oh ring. Oh my
1: god, yeah. And you have this weird fucking spaz out of memories and shit. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, because they could have done that. I mean, I know I know they did in the movies, but um, that's how the ring works, right? And they, like, in the, the Harry Potter books, they, like, they, like, take this tiny little detour around making the Horcruxes directly analogous to the ring. By making it so that yeah. them doesn't alert voldemort but saying his name does in the seventh book
1: yep so they yep. they
0: like yep. managed to get like you know they have their cake and they eat it too in the books i think they've
1: narrowly <laughs> narrowly crossed that bridge Yeah, just
0: about but yeah i think our other seven forsaken because i think there's gonna be eight in the show are i hope mm-hmm. that they're just i hope that they're out because the fun thing about the forsaken is that everybody feels like they're still locked away but also they like see it. and they're out here causing problems but they had like Balthamel and agonor get out and like they they don't know by the end of the first book that that's a shot mail that's a minute like hang on to that before they figure that shit out they did not realize that for a long time so Good. which is hilarious i mean which is why like i bought it in the books because i'm like well it's the end of book three and we all still seem to believe that this is the dark one. So sure. Like I, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so they, they don't totally know. Cause they see these two get spun out. Right. Yeah. It's it's coming back to me. The two get spun out at the eye of the world, but they like defeat them. So they're like, no, no, no. Everybody's still tucked away. Right. And there's kind of a question mark about it all the way up until towards the end of book three, where it's like, Oh, you've all been out this whole time since then causing shit so i think it would be fun if we didn't immediately go into season two dealing like with eight bad guys we're not going to i think they should keep it closer to the book and let us deal with a for like another season and bring in like Lanfear because she comes out in season yeah. two she shows up in season two but or book two <laughs> but i think yeah leave it closer to the book and give us like Ishamael and Landfear, and then have us slowly realize where the others are because most of them show up incognito the whole way through. Uh, all of them. I mean, Ishamael's incognito is the dark one. Landfear comes in incognito. Ravine comes in incognito. Um, Samael's incognito. And then the women are all, well, you know what? Semirag is. She's undercover. Fucking Demondred's undercover. Um Aganor is for a minute before they catch him, before they fucking figure it out, before they find him. Takes Rand like a second and a half to spot Agnor in a crowd, but he tries to be incognito. This is editing Lindsay, and that was my attempt to say Asmodian. I'm trying to think. Um Grendel just kind of hides. Masana's incognito. So almost all of the Forsaken, Mogideon just kind of hides. Mogideon and Masana are the two that are kind of like skulking around a bit. But honestly, at some point or another, every Forsaken is pretending to be like, I'm the king of whatever. And I'm the, oh yeah, this new guy, he showed up and he's the, like, they all do it. So I think that would be really fun if we didn't see anybody except for Lanfear and Ashamael for you know, maybe into season three and then start to have them crop up. And it's like, oh, it turns out you've been there this whole time. Like, or have characters come in in season two who we don't know are Forsaken until season three and so on. Yeah. I think that's more likely to be what happens. I would expect a very slow trickle of bad guys, but there's a lot of them. And there's, I mean, we have eight seasons and eight Forsaken. I think we have plenty of time for everybody to have their moment. And... Who knows, book readers? Do you think that we'll get um, Semi Rog undercover sooner, given where we are in the show? I would like to see her coming now. She's my oh favorite my Forsaken. She's fucking terrifying. Semi would kick my ass quick. Like, I'm really excited to see where they all show up. And just like, I, what I really hope the show does is change up like who's a dark friend and how certain forsaken are undercover and stuff but like not semi because i want her to be here now but um switch it up so that we're all surprised i think will be really fun except and i won't say but if you know you know i won't say it was God here but if you know you know and if they change that bad guy we riot but otherwise i want all the, i want them to switch up like who's a dark friend because all the dark friends are dark friends in secret and it's super fun this is really fun reveals like forsaken and otherwise, like all the bad guys are undercover. Yeah. Until they turn around <laughs> and, try and stab you in the face. <laughs> but I'm stoked for you because this like wheel of time has it all from a bad guy perspective because we've got like the dark one and just like evil for evil's sake and the track car and the fades and the Trollocs. And like you have a whole army of like evil monsters but then you also have like Ishamiel Yeah. was an Aes Sedai. Like he was just a dude. They're all the Forsaken were Aes Sedai.
1: Right. That's that's what I thought. Yeah, that's what I had been kind of like reading.
0: Yeah, because they all can channel. They all, that's like what makes you a Forsaken, is that you have to be a dark friend channeler and also like a really awesome dark friend channeler. And the ones below them are called, like, dreadlords, usually, I think. That might even just apply to the men. Um The evil male channelers. I don't know. There's a whole lot of bad guys in the Wheel of Time and, like, nothing but variety. And I'm really excited for you.
1: Hell yeah. I'm so fucking stoked.
0: Um, Do you have any burning questions or anything you want to hit on before we wrap up? part one of the dark friend social for this week. Cause I will be back folks for the, the deeper stuff.
1: I think I'm good for now. Like I, I want to just like keep reading. I have a three day weekend. So like, I want to keep and find out like more of this shit for myself. The problem is we're back in this fucking, I thought like I, now that I was reading the book, I kind of jumped out of the, I want to know more stuff pool, but your talk about some frog like like just you pushed me back into this pool of like i need to fucking Mm -hmm. know more about like these people but i don't i just want to read like their history i don't want to read like their from book start to forward kind of thing so i think that's what i'm going to do is i'm going to text you when we're done and ask you a couple things but
0: yeah yeah do do that though ask me especially with the shanshan because you will be sorry if you look them up i'm not going to like major plot stuff with our main characters you do not want to know yeah yeah text me and i'll i'll refer to the the companion and the wiki and you know get you all the details without the plot stuff but um i mean this is like the wheel of time is like nothing but world building like this is like your ideal sandbox honestly what you really should do is like keep just keep reading um but because then it's like nothing but answers after eye of the world because the first book is the worst one i think or maybe not the worst it's no they're all good you know what i mean it's just it's not my favorite the eye of the world's a little bit all over the place i prefer a lot of the slog to the eye of the world but what you could do is like straight up skip to faldara like or skip to the ways because honestly the first half of that book is so fucking boring like you could read you could read like through shatter and then it's there's a good little bit of their travels i suppose the tinker stuff is good perrin's wolf stuff is good that gets a little bit at the end of this season you get more of that in the book i guess you shouldn't skip any of it i just am like or you could just start reading book two and catch up to me know what i'm talking about but you know whatever (laughs) whatever read faster you and ben both i swear to god i'm like
1: oh, i'll be done by this week. you go
0: back on twitter i hope so at least with the You've first been book, saying done that. With... you're still in the two rivers no, I'm not. don't they're already don't, gone they totally just they just
1: got to bear Lawn.
0: all right that's basically the two rivers oh you get to meet min though that's oh, fine cool. Min's in right, barrel cool. in the book mm-hmm. that's good times oh shit you're gonna have all kinds of uh can me posted about yeah, that i will yeah, you might get you might get something out of that that we didn't get in the show. Actually, I'm thinking about well, pay everything Min says matters.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. What is it? Carnivals and rainbows and three beautiful and women. Three
1: Beautiful women. Yeah,
0: that was like my favorite when I went back to think about it. I was like, shut up. Did you just do that? Oh my god, I thought that was a total joke. <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway. I really
1: liked this season of The Wheel of Time. I loved this show. I I loved this shit, dude. Like, you know what's really funny to me? And I, I was thinking about it the other night. Um, this show, this book series is actually the whole reason that this podcast got started.
0: A little because, bit.
1: Yeah, because we were talking and you were like, dude, have you ever heard of The Wheel of Time? And I'm like, no. and you're like oh my god this is like my (laughs) wheelhouse this is your star wars and i'm like okay i need you to teach me like everything about this then and then here we are
0: so awesome it has been a real pleasure to be able to like podcast about this show it's been so much fun and um just the wheel of time community is so much fun like i love it yay twitter of time yay to all you guys like it's just it's been a good time. It's been a really funny eight weeks and, um, but yeah, you want to take us out of here? Uh,
1: yeah, this actually will be my last appearance in season one of the podcast. So I want to, I want to thank you guys again for, you know, your dedication to listening and your involvement on the Twitter and the Instagram and everything. It means a lot to us. Um, you can find us on Twitter at behind timeline. You can find us on Instagram at go behind the timeline. Um, you can hit us up on our email. If you have suggestions, if there's something that you want us to watch, or there's a question that you have that you don't want us to address on the podcast, but you want to know, um, you can do that at go behind the timeline at gmail.com. Um, we will be back for the podcast, uh, around the middle or second to third week of January. We'll have an official date posted pretty soon. Um, and we will be back to our regularly scheduled, jump through the timeline i believe the last movie we left off on was return of the jedi in 1983 so we've got quite a bit still to cover so please stay tuned for that um as new stuff comes out we'll also be covering that as well but yeah we we really appreciate you guys and i really from a personal standpoint i really appreciate you guys hanging out with us
0: same this has been super super fun and i can't wait to keep doing it
1: same we're gonna we have a lot of really cool and really exciting stuff coming for season two um as far as the podcast itself so please stay tuned Mm -hmm. uh like and follow wherever you guys listen to podcasts and as always guys have a great new year um and stay nerdy
0: all right welcome back everybody to the second half of this week's dark friends social this is behind the timeline i am your host lindsay and we are finishing our discussion of The Wheel of Time, Episode 8, The Eye of the World. So this is going to be full book spoilers all the way through A Memory of Light. So we probably won't take too long here because we did just do a lot of this stuff with Scott, but I just wanted to take the time to go into some of the more book spoilery stuff. So the first thing I wanted to hit on here is the seal slash seals. I think that it kind of tracks to have just one big seal. And because the... The whole thing is Rand breaking the seals at the end, right? Right before the start of the last battle or during the last battle, whenever exactly, right at Shea And that being his plan to create a brand new seal instead of like Band-Aid the existing one, which is kind of what like Egwene would have had him do. (laughs) So Rand made the right call here, but I think it would be interesting if it was just the one seal and then he goes and has his conflict with the Dark One, which incidentally I really liked how the whole incident in episode eight really reflected back what happens in a memory of light. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, Again, just the way they're adapting this and bringing stuff in now to set it up for years down the road is really brilliant. And how much fun to be able to do that with a book series that is finished. It is so refreshing after game of Thrones. Um, And honestly, even the Harry Potter movies that they started making before they were finished. So they didn't know what to weave in. Rate, or what was important to keep, like Sirius's mirror. And how cool that this is an all the way finished series. I mean, when does that happen, right? Other than Lord of the Rings. I can't think of any of the big fantasy adaptations, like I guess of the four that I'm looking at. But really cool that they know where they're going with this. And I could see Rand just breaking the one seal and then going into his battle with the dark one. It'll be nice to see him come full circle at the end here as well. Rather than have the Eye of the World and will be two different places, Randall have to come back here at the very end for the actual last battle. I think that that is a cool parallel that I'm excited to see. And again, just the way they're bringing it all together, like that's a good change. But as much as I could see just the one seal, I could see multiple big seals. And how fun would it be at the last battle to have like... They've been finding these big seals all over the place for seven seasons or eight seasons or whatever, and they're in important places all over the world. And I could see them having to have a really fun, like, coordinated attempt to destroy them all right at the same time, because that's the whole thing at the end of Memory of Light, right? So you destroy them all at once, and then Rand goes into his big battle, etc. So I think it would be cool to have it be like a coordinated thing across the world and be using gateways and trying to communicate and smash them all at one time. That would be super cool and it would give everybody something fun to do. I think that would be interesting. I think it could be a lot more fun than carrying them around in a pouch for 15 bucks. So I I kind of support this change. I kind of hope that there's like seven giant seals. So moving forward, talking about Nynaeve a little bit, we didn't talk about her too much in the first half of the Dark Friends social. Seems like she can't listen to the wind anymore. And I'm wondering if that's her block coming into focus now or no, because she can link up later. I That could be like a mechanic change. Cause I know in the books it's like hard to link because you have to surrender to it, right? And that's Nynaeve's whole problem. So that they might just change that mechanic but it seems weird that she's not hearing the wind but that she can, I, I mean, I guess she can channel no problem later cause she's like flipped out and angry, right? That's kind of book accurate. So I don't know what I think is going on there. Also, I recognize that you can't burn out while you're in a circle. I'm okay with that change. Like, I don't care whether you can get burnt out in a circle or not. I thought it was pretty cool to show those ramifications. But I just thought that whole scene sucked. Honestly, it was just so clunky. It's like, is she dead? Is she not dead? Why are we making it? look like she's dead just for drama. And it was just like, ugh, the end of this wasn't great. And I know that they had to do a ton of rewrites and I feel for the production team. I think they did a great job with what they had. I just think some of this is is clunky in the end here. They need a strong opening to season two. And then, you know, not having Rand be the one to destroy all the Trollocs at Tarwin's Gap. That's a big change. It's a lot for him to do. I, if I was doing this, and who knows what they intended before the COVID restrictions, because I know that having a big battle became super difficult in terms of getting access to the sets, having enough people there in one place, all of the things, right? But I would have maybe left out the Eye of the World and just had this be like a conflict at Tarwin's Gap and like an Ishmael reveal, Maybe. But I do really like what they did with Rand and Ishamayel. Like, I'm really not complaining about that. And it was cool having the girls do it, right? I Giving something for them to do was cool. They've been doing that all season, kind of splitting up a lot of what Rand does and giving it to some other characters. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with not having it be so busy from a Rand perspective, because in the books, the rest of the team doesn't have especially much to do. So giving Tarwin's gap to the girls is is fine, but I think the power ceiling is starting to be pretty daunting here. I mean, fuck, like what is Rand gonna do when he has to show off his power? Because what the girls did there with four untrained channelers was pretty fucking impressive. So I'm like, where do we go from here? What does it look like to scale up the the power ceiling? I'm a little concerned about that. I but I'm I'm sure they'll handle it fine. It's just we might even have some eye of the world-isms in the show where maybe that isn't like the norm anymore going forward. I don't know, it was it was weird, but I guess we can go ahead and call Taviran on this with Nynaeve and sure, I don't love it, but it's it wasn't terrible. I mean, I'm seeing people give this episode like a five out of 10, I wouldn't rate it that low. But there was a lot in here that was weird. And it was, you know, like I said in the first half of this, it's it's weird, lore-breaking stuff that, like, bothers me right now. But there's really no particular reason that it should. You know, there's... All of this stuff can be changed. Like, the mechanics around not being able to burnt out, burn out in a circle. I, so like they can change that. It's just that they, it just feels weird, right? It's a little jarring for book readers. And I'm like, so into the show. I love it. But some of it is a little jarring. It's a, it's an interesting experience. As for what Ram does do, I wondered whether all of this would have made more sense if the cold open and had a Shamael in it or mentioned him maybe would have been helpful. But I guess they want to keep this mystery going for a minute, which is kind of fun. And there was a lot going on here in the conversation that Rand had with Ishamael too, right? Um, Scott referenced a bunch, the 99 Companions line, the fact that they seem to really know each other personally or that Ishamael knows Luce Theron personally. And I like how he rips on Rand for not having any idea what he's doing. That was like my favorite line of the season. And he comments on the Heron Marked Blade. So there's a lot going on there. Um, but he does, he does say like, so Rand has come for him as though he is the dark one. And it's just all, I'm like, oh, I get that the books drags this on forever, right? This, like, quote, mystery, even though we start to put it together as readers, like, relatively quickly ish. But I hope that they don't drag this out. I hope that they make it clear what's going on sooner than later. Because can you imagine if you really felt like that was the dark one? Like, I would think the scope of this story is so small if the dark one just, like, shows up in a suit and makes small talk. Like, that's just not. <laughs> It's not that scary. So I hope that they explain that this is a Shamael. And I thought it was fucking wild that they put that in the Amazon, uh, the x-ray thing. It says the man is Shamael. And I didn't want to say it during kind of the main episode or even the first part of the Dark Friend Social because I'm like, I don't know that everybody has seen that. I don't know whether that's like something that they like were expected to get by this point or not. As a reader, it's really hard to tell because I just, we just do know everything right so I don't know I don't know and Scott's putting it together but he's obviously like he's reading a book and he's paying a lot of attention and he knows how these things work so it's just I don't know if most people have figured that out I'm like Amazon that sucks if that's just a spoiler in the x-ray I don't know but I did really enjoy him and I I'm looking forward to more Ishamiel I thought it was weird that he could like turn off the fire eyes I wish that He'd turned them off and we'd been able to see the saw. Isn't that what it's called? The little, like, that drifts across your eye. I don't know. The little black dots, right? I just low-key want it to be like book five. <laughs> like, I just, like, want it to move faster and get to some of the really cool stuff. Because as I've said a number of times, the eye of the world is not my favorite. So I'm excited for us to keep moving forward here. Also, yeah, Ram stabbing himself in Teleranriad would absolutely have killed him. So I'm not following that because they had the bats in like episode two. So I'm like, is it, is it real? Is it not real? Are there like levels of how much you can be in Teleranriad? I'm really confused about this, but I like how that's the only time that he's used his sword that kind of cracks me up though to kill himself. But also it's a little bit foreshadowing of sheathing the sword. It's just that we haven't gotten any sword forms or really any sword practice at all. This season, which is a little wild to me that they never had so much as a quick cut scene, you know, kind of like they had there was like one in Lord of the Rings, right, where they're like showing a hobbits how to use the swords a little bit. So they're not completely useless. Something like that would have been nice, but it might have broken the tone for kind of how Lan in particular is engaging with Rand right now. They don't really have that bond yet. And with Rand gone, this might all have to wait for the waste. So we'll see, because it's not like they're all headed back to Feldara right now. But generally speaking, I approved of how they handled the end of this with Ishamayel and the Eye of the World. What I really liked is kind of the blend of the flicker flicker scene with Egwene's accepted test. And I think it would be really fun if when Egwene does do her accepted test, we get a same or really similar vision of them with Joya because that's the bit that comes directly from the accepted test. And I think it would be really interesting if they both have to turn away from that in some potential future. So I'm here for, I'm here for that. And, and maybe it comes back in the flicker flicker. Like I just like the idea of having their relationship be this under undertone of like what might've been. Cause we know that they'll both end up with other people or at least Randwell. I'm kind of hoping Egwene is like, maybe not going to go for Gowan. I, I hope they write Gowan out of the show, <laughs> but you know, whatever. So let's talk about Moraine. As discussed at length already, she, I believe, is shielded. So the options here, because we need, if if the shield is to be untied, if she doesn't break through it herself, then we're going to need a man to untie the shield. So will Nynaeve heal Loghain way sooner? Part of me thinks so. This would be really convenient to bring that in sooner because we know that they're trying to expand Loghain's storyline. I don't see that translating to we'll see you in season three or four when we show Swan's deposition and, you know, all of the all the shit where they later pick up Loghain and all the stuff at the Little Tower. I can't see that happening until at least season three, maybe four. Depending on how they pace this out, I know I keep saying I want Dumai's Wells by the end of season three, which means Egwene would be at the Little Tower. But as I will discuss at the end of this, she has an awful lot to do. I'm kind of wondering if Egwene's plot line might take longer. Like it won't be one for one. I don't think that just because we see Rand um, at Dumai's Wells means that Egwene is Omerlin. I don't know that those things are going to line up because she just has so much to do and they're fast tracking Rand. So, I'm not sure about how that's going to work. But I do think it would make sense to heal Loghain way, way sooner, and he can sort out Moraine's shield. And he maybe could also be Asmodian and train Rand. That's a very real possibility. I think that they could cut Asmodian and have Loghain fulfill that role, which I think would be super cool. Like, have him go to the waste, have more rain run into him, and then get sorted out somehow. Nynaeve heals him, he removes her shield. They all go to the waste. I don't know. But I could see Loghain being the one to sort this out, and I think it would be really cool. Alternatively, we could fast track this whole thing and have Nynaeve heal more rain and have that be the first healing of Stilling or Gentling instead of Loghain. Because that I'm like stuck in my head that it has to be Loghain first. It doesn't. So if Nynaeve is like, you know, checking her out in early season two and inspecting her, maybe she learns how to do this. I mean, I think that would be pretty ridiculous at this point. I don't think early season two, but they could fast track it. Who knows? Nynaeve's done some pretty wild shit. Maybe she could heal this. That would be crazy, right? Wouldn't that be the most like, super girl thing you've ever seen in your life? I, but I could see that happening. Um, alternatively, alternatively, could it just be Asmodian? Might Asmodian or some other male forsaken show up who doesn't immediately want to fuck them over could help out? Um, Because I'm really hoping that Moraine and Lan follow Rand to the Waste now that they've figured out this isn't the last battle, right? I think that that makes sense. So maybe they just circle with Asmodian and Lanfear in the Waste, just like they do in Book 4, and skip the earlier stuff with Lanfear. That works too, right? So maybe it'll be Asmodian who sorts this out. So candidates now, Loghain, Nynaeve, Asmodian, slash other male Forsaken, Another idea is Moraine breaks through the shield herself, which would be fully badass, and it would set up all the Rand in a Box stuff and really explain that that you can break yourself out of a shield if you're powerful enough, etc. So that could be really cool setup there that Moraine just fixes it herself, which seems a little bit like, then why do it except to set this up? I don't know, and there's a cliffhanger and yada yada. But generally, I I do think that it's a shield. It looked like a shield, but I think that there's options if even if she actually is stilled to to get her through, you know, there's a lot of ways that all of this can go. Can you imagine being Sarah Nakamura? Like there's so there's so much to consider with any change. It's just kind of insane. So hats off to, you know, Rafe and Sarah and the whole team over there who are figuring this out because it's breaking my brain even just to try and figure out this one issue and try and fit it with the timeline of where everybody's going to be because it's just it's really hard to predict and speaking of hard to predict is matt still gonna blow the horn what if nobody blows the horn what if it's just like they just save that somehow or like okay so if matt does blow the horn then there has to be like his balefire his death and his the balefire resurrection right If they keep that part of the lore that once you blow the horn, you're the only person who can blow it. Right. So that Oliver can blow it later. But I don't know. I'm like, what's going on? Is there just going to be like a massive misunderstanding? Like maybe you don't have to die. Maybe anybody can blow it all the time and they just don't, they don't know that. I don't know. Or maybe Matt will blow it at the last battle. Maybe he'll blow it like at the end of season two and the last battle. And they'll just properly give him, the title of Hornblower. I don't know, the possibilities are endless and I'm not convinced that it really matters as long as the horn gets blown. But I hope it gets blown at the end of season two and I hope it's by Matt and I hope that it happens in tier and I hope that all of the shit from the ends of books two and three happens in tier at the end of season two. So let's talk about season two and some predictions because I think we've covered pretty much everything. Those are the things I really wanted to kind of circle back around to in a full spoiler way. So Egwene, Egwene needs to be kidnapped by the Shanchen, But how are we going to fit that in with her going to the Waste and her spending some time in the tower, which I think she has to do. I don't really see her becoming Omerlin without ever having been in the tower as a novice without any of these Aes Sedai knowing who she is. That just doesn't make any sense. So she's going to have to go to the tower. She better go to the Waste. That's a change that I think would piss everybody off and it would make no fucking sense. And it's a really important part of her arc. She needs to go to the Waste. Ideally before she becomes Omerlin. I mean, I like her story, I think needs to follow its beats. I can't really see how they would change things around too much, but, but they're obviously mixing things up for like Rand. Like Rand's storyline is super accelerated. I'm convinced he's going to go to the Waste. Like now, Maybe, maybe he's just going to go straight to Tyr. I feel like he's going to go to the Waste and then he and the IEL will go to Tyr and meet up with everybody else there, right? Like with the, the people of the dragon at his side. But I don't know how it works for Egwene because I guess they could go straight to the tower right now and do that and then go Black Aja hunting to Tyr. Like that. Or, or, okay, or get kidnapped. Get kidnapped by the Shanshan to Tyr. That actually makes the most sense. So she could go to the tower, get kidnapped, ends up with the Shanshan in Tyr, and then Rand and the Aeel show up in Tyr, and Perrin and Loyal on the hunt for the horn end up in Tyr, and Matt follows his book three storyline And ends up in Tyr and they rescue Egwene. And then there's a a big fight in the sky with the Shamayo, right? I can totally see that as making sense. But then what I don't know is, does Rand go back to the Waste after this? Or does he do Radeon and all of that crap before? Or do we have two trips to the Waste? Or is Rand just going to go straight to Tyr right now like it's book three? I I don't know. I assume Moraine's going to follow him. But it means that Egwene has a lot to do. So like I said, I think that they'll have to stagger her storyline really differently. I think we could see Rand like at Dumai's Wells and Egwene's still in the tower or Black Aja hunting and and she and Swan hasn't been deposed. But I also don't know how they wait like two seasons to depose Swan from now. I don't know. It's, I just need more of it like yesterday. I can't believe that we have to wait to find out like how they're going to structure this going forward. It's killing me. I feel like if we had like one more episode, if we just knew where Rand was going, we could predict all of this so much better. But I do think book three stuff for Matt and I think Tom included, and I hate not being able to tell everyone that Tom's fine. Like he is coming back, especially based on what Rafe said in his AMA. He mentioned joking with Sarah Nakamura about killing off Tom and what that would mean for the rest of the story. And I'm like, cool. So Tom's not dead. When is he going to show back up? And it better be with in Matt's storyline coming up. Right. That would be satisfying. So hopefully he'll show up like in Tarvalon I think it would be cool if he shows up late a month later or whatever, because he was injured and then he can circle up with Matt, but I don't know how Matt, like what's going on with Matt and the dagger. Cause we had that one shot in episode seven, but I'm like, is that just the footage that you had of Barney Harris and you had like a throwaway line to be like, and Matt still exists or cause Moraine said he's, he's upbeat or land said that to Moraine. Right. So I'm like, is he, is he better? What's going on? And what I think would be funny, because the black Aja are after him. I'm sorry, the red Aja are after him right now, right? So I think it would be really funny if the reds capture him and like try to gentle him and whoopsie pull the dagger evil out once and for all. And he can become all lucky. And they actually heal him by accident. I think that would be hilarious. And I would love to see Leandrin's face. So if he has been poisoned by the dagger again, I hope that that's what ends up happening. And I really want him to be over the dagger stuff like immediately so that he can go win his quarterstaff fight against Golod and Gowan and then, you know, be a badass. And maybe Teverin pulls him to tear. How funny would that be if he's like ready to be done and he just finds himself back in the middle of it again, but he's like a rich gambler now. I think that would be hilarious. I just can't wait to get the Matt that I love. Um, And yeah, Perrin, I I think, is for sure going to go on the hunt for the horn with Loyal. And my only question on Perrin is, will he end up back in Tyr? I assume so if we put everybody back together so that he can see Rand again and get, you know, some marching orders, make sure everyone knows he's still part of the crew. But I could also see them fast tracking it and sending Perrin to the two rivers and that that's where the hunt for the horn leads him and he ends up hearing about and Fane attacking I mean, that tracks, right? Patton Fane has the horn. Maybe this whole thing just turns into Perrin's like book four storyline or book five, which it he's not in one of them, right? And then he's in the other. I think he's not in book four, but he's in book five and they have the battle of the two rivers. I think that would be dope. And I don't want to wait like multiple seasons to get Tam back. And also just to demonstrate to viewers that we are going to go back to the two rivers, because that took me by surprise when I was reading. That doesn't usually happen in these kind of Tolkien-esque fantasy stories, right? Like they never send... Well, okay, this was Elrond's plan, but they never send Pippin back to, you know, rally the two... Sorry. They never send Pippin back to like rally the Shire, right? You don't go back home during these stories typically until, until it's over. So I thought it was really cool that the two rivers is such a big part of the rest of the story. So I wouldn't be pissed if... Perrin ends up there doing all of that directly in season two. And maybe that's like where he spends season three, but that's where he lands in season two. Oh, and then of course, Min, right? Min will meet up with the girls somewhere. I have no idea. Maybe she'll find Matt and Tom. Maybe she'll see the girls at the tower. I assume that's where they're headed. And then they can all get yoinked out of the tower together and meet Elaine there. That would make sense for me. That all four of the girls end up going to, like getting kidnapped by the Shan Chen, like in the book, that would track. I don't know. I don't know whether any of that was articulate in any way. I'm all over the place. I can't quite figure out what I think is going to happen here. (laughs) But I'm really excited about it. I really liked this season. I hope that you guys did too. And uh, yeah, I hope everybody has a great New Year's Eve tonight. We will be back for season two of this podcast in a couple of weeks with the Dalmatians extravaganza. And then we'll be back to our regular timeline stuff. So stick with us. We're going into the eighties and, um, you know, we'll probably be back to talk about book of Boba Fett at some point. I'm sure we may have like a few words to say about Hawkeye. I don't know if we're going to do a full review on it, but stick with us. It's going to be really fun going forward. We have some really exciting stuff coming and I hope everybody has a great new year. Check us out. Give us a like, give us a follow. All the links are in the episode description. And send us feedback if you have thoughts. And I hope you guys have a great New Year's Eve. And we will see you in 2022. Stay nerdy.